your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Taylor gets another good rip. scoring position. Yachty doesn't go after the first pitch, but it skips away, and the Cardinals grab the lead. 3-1 is set to left center. <laughs> All the outfielders are just going to watch it go. Paul Goldschmidt has a two-home run day. It's 8-5. 3-2 last call for Milwaukee. Game over. The comeback is complete and official, and the win streak continues for the Cardinals. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. That audio courtesy of YouTube. YouTube. Hey, they did a phenomenal job. They did a fine job. That, a big win for the Cardinals <laughs> once again. Yesterday, they have continued their winning ways. I've got it right this time. 12 straight No, it wins. was 10 straight. 10 no, in a row. No. 10 consecutive wins. 12 straight victories for the Cardinals for the first time since April 11th through April 24th of... 1982. 1982. Great year, 1982. The last time the Cardinals won 12 straight. Yeah, that's right. That lineup included Tom Hur. Great player. Keith Hernandez. Awesome player. Ken Oberkfell. Great player. Ozzie Smith. Unbelievable. Ozzie Smith. Is that Ozzie's brother? No, very different. But that was lineup. This has been a hell of a team. It's been a lot of fun to watch in the month of September. This is the first time that they swept a four-game series, Alex, in Milwaukee since 2013. The Cardinals are the first team since the Astros back in 1999 to win 12 straight games in the month of September. The ride continues, and yesterday, I thought the biggest part of this, Alex, was them answering a question that you said you wanted to see answered. It's kind of like your building blocks, right? Like, you want to adapt to the situation. Right now, we know when they score in the first, they're a dangerous team. But when you don't score there... Can you still be that dangerous team? And I want to see what this team does when they don't have that punch in the face in the first. Well, guess what happened yesterday? What Alex? happened? They got punched in the face wow. in the first. And kicked in the groin. I mean, all of them. Oh. They did not score. And then the Brewers in the bottom half of the first go out there and hit a grand slam to go up 4 nothing. Well, and obviously the Cardinals would just lose that game. Then they would be unable to do anything the rest of the nope, game. Nope, not how it went. The previous version of the Cardinals would have. Because so far this season, they were 0-48 when they trailed by at least three runs in the seventh inning or later. 0-48. 
The last time they won such a game was two years ago in July of 2019. Well, guess what, Alex? What? Yesterday, yeah, they came back and found a way to win. You're they answered the question that you wanted to see you're answered. Damn right they did. And to me, that makes that turns this team into a real force now. Like they were a force before. Anytime a team goes ten or more games in a row, you're thinking this team's not going to be fun to play. But you're always wondering, okay, but look, the key to this is you get on the board first before these guys, or you don't allow them to score, and you kind of make them sweat a little bit. Cardinals didn't sweat at all in that game. Like, for some reason, they looked so confident that they were going to come back into that game, and I felt like they were going to come back in that game, which is very different from the last couple of months. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. What was your level of confidence? My buddy, Cardinals fan through and through, texted me yesterday midway through the game and said he turned the game off because he saw them down the way that they were. He was like, all right, I guess this is how it's going to end. It is what it is. It was a really nice run. Uh, this, This stretch of games can consecutively that they're going to win this is the way that it comes to an end did you did you hold the faith did you believe even when the cardinals were down five nothing going into the top of the fifth did you believe in that point in time that they were going to win define hold my faith because i didn't turn it off but that's mostly because i had to watch it for work did you believe in that moment I i felt like they were going if they weren't going to come back and win that game i felt like they were going to come back and at least make it close And when they tied it, I was impressed. Like, I'm thinking, man, that's incredible. But I didn't sit there and say, man, that wasn't going to happen. Because for some reason, man, this team just feels like they have the magic moments in them. And again, that happened last night, and it felt like this team just got the invincibility. It felt like they got the star in Mario Brothers. (laughs) Like, it really does. Because, like, that's... I wish I had that sounder. That's the one element that I wanted to see from this team. How do you play from behind? Because at the beginning of the season, remember, we called them the comeback cards because they were doing that. The Cincinnati Reds game, the first of the season. Since he scores a lot of runs, Cardinals score a lot of runs. We haven't seen that team in over three months. So for me, this is a very dangerous team now after what they accomplished against Milwaukee, and it was Hauser on the mound. You know when I thought they were going to win? I'll tell you the exact moment. When the Cardinals had the or the Brewers had the bases loaded against KK in the bottom of the fifth, and he found a way to get out of that inning unscathed, that's when I was like, oh, if he found a way out of that jam, that particular pitcher and that particular moment when you've got oh. Escobar coming up next, that's when I thought, okay, I think the Cardinals are going to find a way to win this game. That That is the magic that we've been talking about. He found a way. He wiggled his way out of the jam. And then he ends up pitching another scoreless inning in the sixth. That's when I believed that the Cardinals would find a way through. But I'm not going to lie to you guys and tell you that in the top of the fifth, I felt good about it. I I did it. There there were moments where I, especially when you get one of the worst starts of the season, really, from Adam Wainwright, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence that they were going to be able to pull that one out. I thought it was over after the... Uh, what's his name? Taylor hit his second home run. When it got to five nothing in the fourth, and then they pinch hit for Wayno, and they go to KK. They're going to those back end guys in the pin. I went, yeah, you know, it was a good run. When they went to KK, I'm thinking, ooh man, they must not feel like they can come back in this Agreed. one. But I, for some reason, and maybe this is just the confidence right now, which is strange for me to say. But when they got into Milwaukee's bullpen, I was like, okay, well, let's see if they can do some damage here because they might be able to. The offense has just been so powerful through and through. You need to get one guy to do something. And then it just feels like it just starts this like train of guys coming through and just coming up with big hits. So yesterday, Adam Wainwright talked about that exact situation, the Cardinals offense and how impressed he's been by their performance of late. Here's what he had to say after the game. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, our team's feeling it right now. It's just really cool. They picked me up big time today. 
Goldie had some really good swings. We had some really good at bats before Goldie, and I gave him a big old smooch on the top of his head and don't care who knows it. It was a great team win. I mean, that put us in a hole, and they came back and won that game. Just was really good, really, really good against tough pitching. So it was cool. That was awesome. That was fun to be a part of. We've said this a few different times now recently, Alex, especially during this stretch of winning baseball. The Cardinals' offense's ability to even hit quality pitching is what's maybe surprised me the most because we've seen the Cardinals' offense look good at times. But that's typically against the worst of the worst when it comes to the pitching or the underbelly of a bullpen. And then when they go up against the the impressive starters, you see like two to one and three to two and oh, ho-hum, same Cardinals. Like Stephen Brault of the Pirates? Yeah, like Stephen Brault of the Pirates. That's a fake person. But in this winning streak, even against the quality pitchers, they have found a way to come through with timely hits. And it's whatever they need. In some games, that might mean like earlier this week against uh, Woodruff. You only scored two runs in that game, but that was all you needed. You, you have scored just enough to be able to get by. And that is the mark of a really good team, man. And what we are watching right now, we got a text on this. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. This might be better than being good all year because what we're watching right now is jaw-dropping baseball. It is. What you're watching right now is a team firing on all cylinders. The bullpen's been good. The starting pitching has been damn good other than the first four innings yesterday. And, you know, you can get a mulligan from Adam Wainwright when he's been as good as he has for the second half of the season. The offense has been pretty darn good. The base running has been outstanding in this stretch of games in particular, but really for most of the season, this is as good as it gets, man. You can go watch the Dodgers and they are playing at an exceedingly high level right now but outside of that team there's nobody in baseball playing better than the cardinals right now nobody yeah they're not and you know the part for me that it makes the huge difference is the bullpen 12 game win streak you have a bullpen that's allowing a sub that has a sub two era in total and i i can't believe that i'm saying that because this is a bullpen that guys three months ago we were talking about how they have historic numbers of how many walks that they have and how many runs that they've allowed from walks and bases loaded they've gone into walks but we've talked about the additions all the time of what they've done and what mo has done but this is a this is a scary good team right now and every time they do something i find myself saying this blanking team because i yeah. never expected this at all this season never expected because what did i say about a month ago i said good teams find a way to win bad teams find a way to lose yep. the cardinals were finding those ways to lose a lot of them they mentioned the bullpen the bullpen was walking guys it was the epic collapses in the eighth or ninth inning now that's not the case now they're doing like you said bk they're finding a way to win like with woodruff you get the two runs that's it you have to scratch and claw for those runs Yesterday, you come back from down 5 nothing. It's unbelievable, and DJ Cowley said it best. All they do is win. Yeah. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get it. Tanner goes from this magic moment. Everybody hands go up. And they stay there. Oh, yeah. This is a good song. Down, up, down, up, down. Hey, man, leave this thing to us. Yeah, really? He goes from this magic moment to all I do is Yeah, playing. that wasn't as magical as the other song, man. You're right. This magic moment. You guys got to learn the words. You got to no, learn the I words. Don't. I don't. I don't need to learn the words. I, I have one song. 
That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. It's 11:12. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We may or may not be joined by Braden Chin at some points today. We are efforting Braden Chin. We do have Sarah Langs of MLB Network. She's going to explain to us how improbable all of this has been for the Cardinals. She's got all of the numbers, MLB Network's uh, numbers analyst. She's going to join us coming up at 12:15. But coming up next. Can the Cardinals pitching compete with the best of the best? I think at this point, that's the big question that I have remaining because they're very likely going to head into the Dodgers at some point in the course of the postseason. That's a big test. How do they match up? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. If my guys can just throw strikes, and Lester has proven this, Lester's not out there striking out the world. Jay Happ isn't out there striking out the world. They're throwing strikes and they're getting guys to miss the barrel. There were so many 3-1 counts and 3-2 counts the other night with Lester where he threw a cutter and he threw it down the middle and just missed the barrel. What happened? Got a ton of pop-ups. Like, trust the guys behind you, and that ends up making me feel a lot better. So the Cardinals are in a situation right now where their their pitching is going to be tested. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. That was BT on the fast lane a couple of days ago, talking about what is really that if you want to look at any one thing that could be the problem area for the Cardinals in the postseason – it's probably the pitching. That's their weak point, because at least in the lineup right now, you've got three guys that are legit. I don't know if all of them will get MVP votes, but they would be deserving of getting MVP in the top 10 votes with Tyler O'Neill, uh, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt. The rotation outside of Wayno, you've just got a lot of guys right now that are leaning on the defense, and that's what's made them so effective. Over the last 30 days, guys, the Cardinals have the sixth best ERA for their total staff in the National League. That's fine. It's not great, though. It's probably the one area that you'd look at in a series against the Giants or the Dodgers that's the biggest weakness for them compared to their opponent. Do you have faith that this rotation, that this bullpen, will be good enough to match up in a one-game setting against the Dodgers or the Giants, and then, if they win that, in a five-game scenario against one of those two teams? I have confidence in them, and it's not because of the rotation. Like, I have confidence in two guys two guys in the rotation, and it's Wayno and Lester, because they've been there before and they know what they're doing, and I, just, I think that veteran presence does something. I'm a little skeptical with Hap, and I'm a little skeptical with Michaelis. They both throw strikes, though, like BT said. And frankly, with this defense behind you, that's really all you need to do. But why I'm confident in this pitching staff is because of the bullpen. Dakota Hudson activated today for this doubleheader. You get Flaherty tonight against the Cubs. Those two on top of Luis Garcia, TJ McFarlane, and Latino Heat, that really makes me confident that even if one of those guys struggle in my rotation – You have lights out from your bullpen, and you can say lights out from your bullpen because in this 12-game win streak, they have been lights out. Look at the data. 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 Anyways, yeah, but I'm with you. The rotation I feel pretty good about, the... But I feel even better because of the cast that's behind them, and I don't have to. I don't have to ask for a lot. It's not like earlier in the year where if we were going in the playoffs, what would I have been saying? I would have been saying half has to go six. Yeah, and you have two guys. Yeah, that was it. And now you don't have that. Now you can go if Hap gives. Depending on how Flaherty and Hudson look, and if they can actually be relievers for you in the postseason, if Hap can give me like three, four solid innings, that's fine. That's all I need because I can ride the bullpen in the postseason. That's what your good teams will do. They will use their bullpen. You brought up, I think it was on the Danny Mac show yesterday, 
about how this team reminds you kind of of the 20, was it 13 Royals? 14, yeah. 14 Royals, where they had that great back into their bullpen. They were able to ride them in the postseason. The Cardinals can do that with their five five guys in their pen. Yeah, I, I think it reminds me of the 2014 Royals for a million different reasons, right? They put pressure on you defensively because they are running like hell down the first baseline to try to get a, an infield hit. Their defense is outstanding. They do have so many guys at the back end of their bullpen that they, they trust. And the rotation for the car or for the Royals back in 2014 was clearly the weakness of the team. I mean, you had Jordano Ventura, who they trusted, but then after that, it was whole lot of maybes and possibilities like Jeremy Guthrie was a part of that rotation and he was starting significant games. He started game seven for the Royals in the World Series. That's not a guy that you want starting game seven of any World Series. And yet they were able to find a way to make it through. So if you're looking at this with the way that the Cardinals are constructed right now, I do think that the pitching is a weakness for them. And if they have a bad game defensively, they could get hurt in the postseason. Like you could go into that one game wild card. You boot a couple of balls and suddenly the opposing team has six runs going up against your pitching. But I don't expect that because this defense is so good. It's less of me having faith in the rotation or in the bullpen, even though I do. It's more about I have faith in this defense right now. I have full faith in them being able to convert the ground balls into outs. And anything that's hitting the air right now, I fully expect the the outfield to come down with it. Like, it surprised me the other day when Harrison Bader, remember that double? I think it was Lorenzo Cain that was a double that fell right in front of Harrison Bader. I fully expected him to make that diving catch. It would have been one of the best plays of the year, but I just thought he was going to make it because I always assume that they're going to make those plays right now. So... That's why I have faith and why I don't think that it's going to be quite as big of an issue as it might look like it is on paper when you've got guys like John Lester and Miles Michaelis returning back to form potentially and Jay Happ or Jake Woodford or maybe a opener situation with Flaherty and Hudson. I believe that this pitching is going to be good enough because of the defense that's behind them right now. Well, and, and what gives me a little satisfaction, too, in a five-game series because the wild card is the wild card. We've talked about that. If Wayno's on the mound, you feel pretty good unless it's against Max Scherzer, but we differ there. But when you get into a five-game series, I mean, you would imagine that Wayne was going to be starting game two and game five for you. So that's two games that you're pretty confident with your pitcher. And on top of that, I mean, you could really go John Lester two games if you wanted to, which we all feel really confident with. So if you're in that scenario, you feel great about the way that it's set up for you. And look, if you skip one of those starts for a Lester or a Wayno, and you do go to Hap or Michaelis, you're right. These guys don't give up a lot of home runs. It's it's either you're hitting the ball to the infield or you're hitting a pop-up and you're hoping that it drops, but for the speed that you have in that outfield with that trio, it's really hard to get on base against this Cardinals team. So regardless of how it sets up for you, the bigger concern for me is going to be what does the offense do in the playoffs because can they continue this form against top-level pitchers. The pitchers, the pitching for the Cardinals is going to be fine. Yeah, the pitching, it's a weakness, and it looks like a kryptonite on paper, but it's not because of the defense. And if you don't Absolutely. have the defense, that's why when you brought up the point of if if the defense has an off night, you're looking at six runs, then to me that game's not on the pitching because the pitching's doing their job. They're putting the ball in play. It just comes down to is your defense the one that lets you down? I don't expect them to because, as I've mentioned, your weakest defender is probably Dylan Carlson in right field, and he's a really good defender. So 
I don't have much concerns. I'm kind of with you, Alex. Heading into the playoffs, my concern is, is this offense really going to be the thing that gets us can can win games for you? Because that's what's going to be needed against elite pitching. And if you look at the Cardinals month by month by month, really this is the only month that everybody's clicked. The previous months, it wasn't that way. Yeah, and if you're looking at some of the guys that you're going up against, I mean, the Giants, their ace this year for the majority of the season was Kevin Gossman. But... Yeah, shut BK down. We don't want to hear his takes. I'll get to that point here in a little bit. Payback for last, yesterday. I said last week. I don't remember where I'm at. Cardinals doubleheader today up in Chicago. The fast lane. The guys are going to be out there. Hopefully you are able to celebrate with them. Maybe you're traveling up there right now. You're getting your way up to Wrigleyville. Let us know if you are. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. It is time for the lineup game. The fast lane's out. That means we're in, Alex. We can't get hurt this time, so let's do it. Are you ready to go? I think so. I don't know how I feel about this lineup today because I would imagine there's going to be certain guys that get the first game off, especially with Flaherty going in game two as your starter or expected starter. Here's a question for you. Who do you think catches the first game? Let's go through some of these things first and and then we'll work our way. I'm the opposite of you, though. I think you play a majority of your starters now and rest some of them tonight because then they're getting, what, 18 hours of rest? Almost. Well, yeah. no, that's not right. Yeah, You're getting a lot of rest. I'm not going to do math on the air 24. for you. Thank you. You got a night game tomorrow. I think Kisner has been no, catching Jay Happ lately. No, it's a night game tomorrow, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's a 12 o'clock start tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is a 120 start, and then Sunday is as well. So you got a okay. day game the next couple of days. That was a terrible theory on my part. Hey, I respect it, man, but it is a quick turnaround nonetheless. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I, I don't know. For me, I, I, I Kisner's going to start this game. Because so, Yachty's been, had a streak. When was the last time Yachty's had a day off? Let me. I, I think Kisner has been starting with Jay Happ. I think they've basically been paired lately. Yeah, the last, the last two starts that Happ's had, that's been the, the days that we've seen Kisner. So our, let's assume that Kisner's going to get the first game. That's what I would say. And then they'll have Flaherty going with Yachty. Can we work backwards to the top? Because, like... Let's let's see here. All right, you ready for the top? Oh, we're starting at the top. I was gonna say, like, like, let's start with number nine, Jay Happ. <laughs> number eight, Andrew Kisner. <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> now we'll work our way now back we just down. got one through seven. Now we'll flip it yeah. back over. All right, Tommy Edmond. Now you're gonna Goldschmidt. ask me if I'm on board with these this? guys are playing every day. He would never rest his starters. That's true. Good one, but yeah, it's Paul Goldschmidt. Okay. Tyler O'Neill. I was like, wow, really? Tyler O'Neill's not resting ever. Nolan Arenado. He ain't resting ever. Now this is one that I'm not sure on. Who would you? Are you? You're thinking Dylan Carlson. I know he's 22, but he's had a lot of rest days this year. <laughs> Where, yeah, uh, Mike Schilt will be like, you know what? He banged up. He's banged his wrist the other day. Maybe yeah. he's gonna get the day off but, today. Well, who would you put Taylor? Uh, um, Lars Newbar. Yeah, but I, he's a lefty, and you're going against a lefty today. I know. I think you go Carlson I think here. You go Carlson. Nice. Okay. So batting fifth. Carlson. We just did no, that. We, oh, six. Batting excuse sixth. me. Batting six. So we know it's not Yachty. Yeah. So it's got to be Sosa because he typically just moves the guys up one. So for sure, DeYoung's not getting any? Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be Sosa. No Poly D. All right. So then Harrison and Bader. And Harrison Bader, seventh. We already did this. And Andrew Kisner, eighth. And then Jay Happ, ninth. Boom! Can we get two That's for what two? I'm talking about ah. right there. Are we going to get we the lineup that game bad for boy tonight? together? No, it'll be on yeah, the fast lane. Not. All right, so your lineup today. Let me make sure I've got this in front of me. 
the same lineup, just Andrew Kisner batting. That is correct. Tommy Edmond batting leadoff, bat, or playing at second. You've got Paul Goldschmidt batting second and playing first. Tyler O'Neill is hitting third and playing in there. left field. Nolan Arenado is your third baseman batting leadoff today. Dylan Carlson is batting fifth once again and playing in right. You've got Edmundo Sosa at short and batting sixth. Harrison Bader getting the start in center today, as he typically does, and batting seventh. And you've got Andrew Kisner behind the dish batting eighth with J-Hap on the mound. It is a 1-15 first pitch up in Chicago. Cardinals versus the Cubs. The Cardinals looking to win their 13th straight game today with J-Hap on the mound. No, Kisner means no. You found it. Come on, BK. You got to shake that. Shake those hips. Is anybody walking by the studio? No, not yet. I'm sure HR will be by us eventually. Most people in the building went to Chicago with the fast lane. All right, so we're going to Oktoberfest later tonight. Yeah, four to six, by the way. Be sure to check it out. Rather be at Oktoberfest. If you've never been to Oktoberfest in St. Charles before, this is your opportunity to do so. Come hang out with me and Alex Ferrario. If you're lucky, maybe we'll get you a beer. Uh, there's plenty of beer, music. There's a bunch of food out there. It's it's a really, really good time. If you've never never been before, highly recommend checking it out. BK will be in Lederhosen, ladies and gentlemen. It is located in historic downtown St. Charles at Frontier Park. Join us for the fun at the St. Charles Oktoberfest, the 35th annual Oktoberfest. Sunday morning, by the way, they've got a 5K and a 10K that I highly recommend checking out. All the that. details they got are got a wiener available. race on Saturday, too. At 101ESPN.com. We'll be out there, like I said, from 4 to 6 o'clock this afternoon. That's Alex Ferraro. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, Vladimir Tarasenko spoke to the media yesterday, and Alex, as much as I've been freaking out about this all offseason. Uh, freak out. Really, T-Bone? Not going to come in anywhere there? Yeah, I didn't expect that. Maybe he's not the distraction we thought he was going to be. What? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. I really don't believe it's a distraction at all. He's been here for a while, skating with the guys, being with the guys, hanging out with the guys. I thought it looked excellent out there today. Uh, you know, he's he's been part of this team for a long time. Yeah, things happen in the summertime where things are said or, you know, I don't go into all that. I don't worry about that. That's, you know, he's here playing hockey for us, so I coach him. That's it. That's how it's not a distraction in my opinion. That's what it sounded like yesterday as Craig Berube met with the media for the first time at Blues training camp with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Alex, I've been freaking out. I, I've had a little bit of a, a breakdown all off season of, oh my God, are, are they really going to do this? They're not really going to do this. There's no way they're actually going to do this. They did it. Vladimir Tarasenko is at Blues camp on the opening day of training camp. I'm still shocked. I, I cannot believe that we are here on September 24th. And at the second day of camp, Vladimir Tarasenko is working with one of the rush lines. I, I'm surprised by it. But I will say, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago after hearing Craig Berube on the fast lane. If ever there was a coach that could downplay all of this, that could get the team on the same page, it's Craig Berube. If ever there was a team that had the veteran leadership to be able to figure this thing out and make it not a problem for them inside of that dressing room, it's this team. So I I do think it's going to be okay. I do worry a little bit about if things go poorly to start off the season. What does that mean for the Blues? And does that then become a little bit of a distraction? But 
right now, I got to say, I, I don't think it's as much of a distraction as I expected it to be. We'll see. That, that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's fair. I mean, look, they said everything you needed them to say. It's exactly what you expected Vladdy to say. It's exactly what you expected Craig Berube to say. Do you think it'll be a, let me ask it this way. For training camp, do you think that's going to no, be a big storyline? I don't. I, I'm with you. I, I, that's I th- what I meant. I, I'm surprised by that a little bit. Yeah, well, and look, they did. the Blues did the, the best thing that they could have done. They made him available Absolutely. for day one. Because, and credit to Vladimir Tarasenko for making himself available on day one. And honestly, we're going to get to some of his quotes. Credit to Vladimir Tarasenko for being honest and upfront about it because he could have just done the I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. He did say that, but he gave some answers into it as well. And again, we'll get to that in a moment. But just from the big picture here, I wasn't surprised that they got to this because when he started skating with the guys a couple of weeks ago in St. Louis, I'm thinking, okay, he's planning on being here. The the conversations have already been had between him and Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube. Trade never came to fruition. He's skating with these guys, which means he's trying to get out in front of this so he can just play hockey. And I expect Vladimir Tarasenko to be a good teammate and a great player to start the year off. Because guess what, Vladdy, if you want to get traded, you have to be. Because so, everyone's watching that. Here's what Vladimir Tarasenko had to say about his mindset heading into camp. Everything good, you know, my mindset is good. Able to be with the guys, you know, I have a good relationships with the guys. Uh, it's been a weird summer, but um, it's going to stay between us and uh, between me and Doug. And um, I mean, I'm here to work. As long as I play here, I will work for 100%. I'm 100% healthy. Come from here. He took the best part out of it where he opened it up and he said, what, nobody's going to ask me about my summer? I didn't hear that part. That wasn't part of the cut, to be honest with you. Oh. So I <laughs> somebody must have taken that out early. Yeah, that I was the best part of the because the question to Jim Thomas or from Jim Thomas was, Vladdy, what are your expectations going into camp? And Vladdy's first answer was, "What? You're not even going to ask me how my summer was." Really? And the part that I find so funny about that is that's the most personality I've seen from Vladdy since what does rub off mean during the playoff <laughs> run? Like. Vladdy had some personality there, man, and I think it's great. He even did a little side punch there in the middle of it where he said, I've had a great summer. Respect to Vladimir Tarasenko for approaching this head on. Also, you mentioned how he's been out there skating with all of the guys for the last couple of weeks. Man, that's a smart move. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was him, if that was his agent, if that was something that the Blues suggested to him. I have no idea who came up with that idea. It was really smart of him to do that Yeah, because it gets it out of the way, right? It's going to be awkward. There's no... There's no way around that. Like, if Alex, I had said publicly, hey, I don't want to be at 101 ESPN anymore because I don't like the situation I'm in. It, Cut that. <laughs> okay. All I would right, never say that because I love my situation currently. However, if I had said that publicly, it'd be really weird if we just kept doing the show on a day-to-day basis for you. True. And for Tanner. Like, that, that'd be a weird yeah, thing. Tanner would have cut you. And we aren't making millions of dollars, and our our job is not nearly as cutthroat as being a professional hockey player right. is. So, for him to publicly request a trade and basically say to all of his teammates, hey, I don't want to be your teammate anymore, even if that's not exactly what he said, it's what you're saying by virtue of making that, that um, request, demand. I think it was really smart of him to be out there with his teammates to get that weirdness out of the way before you get to training camp and certainly before the regular season. So credit to him for that. Now, this is not to suggest that Vladdy has handled all of this perfectly. He hasn't. He's gone public with a lot of demands and a lot of the things that have gone wrong for him here in St. Louis when I I like that as somebody that's in the media. It, It makes our job easier to discuss what has actually gone on here. 
However, for the team, I would imagine they didn't want a lot of that to get out publicly. It makes their job more difficult once he did all of that. So Vladdy has not been perfect in this spot, but I do think he's made all of the right decisions over the last couple of weeks to make this less awkward. He also then went on to talk about him potentially being a distraction and why he does not want that to be the case. It's all behind. I don't see the reason to discuss it now. It's camp starts, you know. Uh, I don't want to be a distraction in the room. And uh, like I said, I'm here to work. And I'm healthy. I'm happy to play hockey again. That that comment basically is issued towards the media of stop asking me about it because I don't want to talk about it. And local, I gave you my answer. This is all I've got Local for media, I, I won't ask the questions again. Now, the only time that it'll become a distraction are when the national media comes in. But frankly, once the season begins, Vladdy doesn't really talk to the media that much. So he's going by this the right way. He said everything the right way. And, you know, God bless Vladdy for it because he could have gone the Jack Eichel route where everyone is talking about it all season long and it becomes a soap opera every single day. The only reason that I told you at the beginning of the segment, BK, is I said, we'll see when it comes to being a distraction. Let's see what happens when the on-ice product comes into play. 100%. Because if Vladdy wants to get traded, Vladdy is a guy who wants the puck on his stick. He wants all of the big-time opportunities. Well, guess what? If you're going to be traded, you'll get some of them. But there are other guys that are in roster right now that are going to get those opportunities. When Vladdy's not on the number one power play unit, when, they're, when they pull the goaltender and they're down by a goal and Vladdy's not the one jumping over the boards... What do things look like then? That's where I'll start to be like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to be a distraction. Yeah, that's when things are going to get interesting. And let's go the opposite route for a moment, Alex, because there's going to be plenty of time. If things go poorly, there's going to be plenty of time to break down what that means yeah, and what that's going to look like. We're not about negativity here. That's right. Tanner. What if he's good? What what if the Blues get into the regular season and Vladimir Tarasenko was on that second line with Braden Shin or he's on that third line with Robert Thomas, however it ends up shaking out? And he looks like his former self. He's a 25-30 goal scorer, or at least he's on pace to do that if he stayed here the entire season. And he's helping you out on the power play. He's got a lethal shot. He's playing a little... He's playing the Craig Berube system the way he did in 2019. What if that's the Vladimir Tarasenko that we get this year? Then what? Then it's going to benefit the Blues in terms of a trade coming back the other way because a team is going to want that. You know, there's a saying at the start of training camp that I've heard guys who've been around the game a lot longer than me say everyone thinks their team is great at the start of training camp. Everyone looks at their roster. Everybody's undefeated. Everybody thinks they're going to go for a Stanley Cup this year. Takes about three games in where you sit there and you go, oof, we're not as good as we thought we were. We need offensive help. We need depth on the right wing. Game number one of training camp, your top right winger goes down with an injury and you need to basically sell everything to get somebody to fill that void. If Vladdy plays outstanding, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if Vladdy plays in six or seven of the eight preseason games so that they can kind of show and highlight how good Tarasenko truly is. But if he plays great, that's even better for the Blues. And I know there are a lot of people that are hoping and wishing that everything is going to be fine and he's going to come back to St. Louis and just finish his career here. I don't think that's going to be the case. JR doesn't think that's going to be the case, and he's the one that's been reporting on this for a really long time. I think Vladdy's made his point clear. He knows that nobody has given anything for him yet, and so he has to come to St. Louis and show that he is 100% healthy, the shoulder is fine, and he is worth $7.5 million. And if he plays great, if he scores 20 goals in the first three months of the season, it's not going to happen. If he does, 
then guess what? You're going to be getting a great piece on the other side of that trade rather than what you did in the offseason. And you're going to be able to get rid of more of a salary. And that's that's probably the biggest thing for Doug Armstrong, or at least that's reportedly been the biggest hang up in these talks previously, is he does not want to eat more than half of that or approaching half of that he salary. He wants all of it gone. He wants all of that off of the books because he believes that we're giving up a 30-goal score. We are not eating salary for you to be able to get a 30-goal score on the cheap. You're, you, this is this is playing the stock market, right? Doug Armstrong's very smart with these things. He buys low on guys like Ryan O'Reilly. He buys low on guys like Braden Shin, and he sells really high. And with Vladimir Tarasenko, this would be him selling at the exact low point of the market. And that doesn't make any sense for Doug Armstrong. He's going to hold it. He's going to hold that stock until it rebounds, and he's assuming that, hey, the, the futures are looking good for Vladimir Tarasenko right now. So why would I sell now when I think that two months from now, three months from now, instead of getting $200 for this stock, I'm going to get $500 for this stock. It, that's that's when you would sell. Yeah, So, and I, I would always remind people, I mean, look, if he plays great, it goes back to the comp that we made about Jonathan Druin with the Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah. right? Where he wanted out, he didn't get traded because they couldn't get anything for him. He played great for Tampa, and then they traded him for Mikhail Sergachev to Montreal. Druin has not been good. Sergachev is now a two-time Stanley Cup champion. So if Vladdy plays well, that's just going to benefit the Blues in the long term more than what it was in the offseason. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kyle. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, I want to hear from you guys. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. I've got two questions for you. Question number one, have you officially bought in yet? At this point, the Cardinals have won 12 straight games. It's the best winning streak they've had in more than 35 years. Are you bought in yet? And if the answer to that is no... What could they do to get you to buy in before we get to the playoffs? Is there anything that we could see over the next 10 games or so that would get you to buy in? Want to hear from you guys on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. And we'll also talk about Mike Shilton, whether or not he's bought any goodwill for himself based on the Cardinals September run. But coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. What's a rob off means? Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll be joined by Sarah Langs of MLB Network and MLB.com here in about 10 minutes or so to talk about the improbability of this Cardinals run. I do want to ask you guys, the listeners, this question. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line. You can always get involved in the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app as well. Are you in? Are you? A- <laughs> what are we doing here, man? Yeah, We're always in. We've, we've got on this bandwagon. If you're not on board yet, because I'm sure, and I would honestly understand in some ways, I'm sure there are some fans that are out there right now that are still hesitant after what they saw in June. And they're they're looking at this team saying, it's the same team that I watched in June. They just happen to be going through a really hot spell right now. If you're that person, is there anything that this team could do prior to the playoffs? Because, of course, if they win the World Series, yeah, at that point, game seven, I'm in. Are you in? Um, (laughs) on the fence. Is there anything this team can do in the final 10 games of the regular season to get you on board? 
Because for me, Alex, I mean, for you, and I know for Tanner, we're all in at this point. They've won 12 in a row. This is the best winning streak that they've had in the last 35 years. Uh, you're, we're watching this on a night-to-night basis. They've won every possible way. They've won with pitching. They've won with defense. They've won with power. They've run by, won by manufacturing runs. Last night, they got behind early and stayed behind until the seventh inning. And for the first time all year, when they were down by three earned runs or more in the seventh inning or later, they won a game. They were 0-48 in those games previously. So I'm in. There's nothing more that this team needs to prove to me to believe that it can be a legit contender. And that's my question for Cardinals fans right now. Are you in on them as a legit contender? Not just making the playoffs and playing in that one game wild card, and we'll see. But I think if this team wins that wild card game, they can go on a run. They've got the talent to be able to do so. Where are Cardinals fans at right now on that question? You know, the the part for me, and look, I, I, I'm all in on this right now, but the part for me why I'm hesitant to go like all in on them being a contender is because I just don't know what to expect if this is a one-game wild card against Max Scherzer. Sure. And I don't know to answer your question. I don't know if there's anything that they can do to show me that, yeah, you can. Uh, I'm all in on them being a contender because you can take a Max Scherzer in a one-game wild card. That is such a tough battle to go into. So the offense has done everything that they need to do to prove to me that they can go on a run. Like, they're doing it right now. But I just don't know if there's anything that they can do from now until the end of the season unless they literally just win out the rest of the season for me to sit here and be like, you know what? I'm all in on these guys being a contender because I'm still very hesitant about a one-game wild card if it's against the Dodgers. That's a really good point, and I think that's probably the the most common thing that I'm seeing on the text line right now. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Totally agree with you that they are a contender, but the wild card game scares me because it's a total crapshoot, especially with them potentially going up against Max Scherzer. Yeah. Another one from the 618. Absolutely. This team is fully equipped to be a legit contender with the team that they have right now they're also a lot of fun to watch it's a stark difference both in terms of personnel and playing style from the team that we all watched in June I think that's where probably the majority of fans in my opinion are at right now is listen I'm in I I believe in this team as a legit contender but you got to get through the Dodgers yeah if this team and that's that's going back once again to the comp that I made of the 2014 Royals earlier Alex If you're able to win that first one, I think that takes the monkey off your back and now you're playing with house money. And I think they can beat the Giants or the Brewers or the Braves or whoever else you end up seeing in the postseason. I even think I might pick them in any of those series to win those series individually. It's just that one game. That one game is what's blocking me right now from like, I'm all in on this team as a contender. But if they didn't have to play, if I could eliminate... If I guaranteed you right now, I said press this button and they get through the one game wild card, but I'm not telling you what's next. I'm hitting that button and I think they go to the World Series. Yeah, I'm with you. If you win the wild card, I don't even care if you win the wild card against the Giants and you're taking the Dodgers on in a five game series. I feel confident that this team can go on a run to the World Series because that wild card game is going to be the biggest hump to get over because you're going to be taking on the best pitcher on the team that you're facing, whether it's the Dodgers or the Giants, and you win that, you're going to feel invincible. I think they already feel invincible after what they did yesterday against the Milwaukee Brewers, but if you are able to win that one game wild card, I think they're going to feel invincible going into that NLDS. I'm, I'm with you 100%. No, you need the mic on I for I know. It. I was over here doing stuff. I'm with you 100%. If they can just survive that wild card game, it feels like they can go on a run. But the one game is the biggest question because I know it's a cliche to say, but anything can truly happen yeah. in that game. It takes 
if if yesterday, let's say let's use yesterday as an example. If that was the one game playoff between you and the Brewers, I would have liked my chances because I had Adam Wainwright on the mound, but Adam Wainwright had a rough night. So I mean, anything can happen, and that's that's where my concern is with the wild card game. The, the moment you get past that wild card game is when I am. I mean, I'm already bought in, but that's when I'm going to be really feeling good about this team. Let's go to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. It's on the 101 ESPN app. If you're somebody that is not on board yet, I would love to hear from you sincerely as to why you're not and what it would take for them over the next 10 games to get you there. Let's start out with John. Hey, boys. So I'm not completely bought in yet. The Kool-Aid is poured. The glass is sitting in front of me, but I haven't taken a drink. I think what I would like to see is Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson uh, back in form and adding depth to the pitching staff. I think that is when I will take my first sip of Kool-Aid. I get that. I, I think today's a really big day for the Cardinals in terms of the ceiling. I, I We have now seen what the floor is. The, the floor is pretty darn good because of their base running and their defense. That elevates your floor and it travels. Whether you're at home or on the road, you look good because of it. The ceiling increases exponentially. If you're able to get Jack Flaherty of old, and I'm not saying for six or seven innings because that's not coming. You're not going to be able to see that guy for the rest of this year. We're going to have to wait until 2022 to see vintage Jack Flaherty. He just doesn't have the innings workload. He's not going to be there. But if you're able to consistently get one or two innings of top-end version of Jack Flaherty, man, that is a game-changer. I don't think there is... I mean, the, the Brewers have Josh Hader. We'll see on Devin Williams. It was weird that he didn't pitch yesterday, and he was apparently in the dugout with his hoodie on. I, there must be something going on with Devin oh, Williams oh, right now. Oh. But it's probably cold out. I know Devin. What? I think they had the roof closed yesterday, yeah. didn't they? Well, the AC um, was on. I, I know it Josh Hader exists, and there's other great relievers out there, but Jack Flaherty will be one of the best relievers going into the postseason if he's available to the Cardinals in his old form. So I, that that changes a lot as to what I'm expecting out of this team if he is his old self. I'll say this. I would not read too much into Flaherty's outing today. I will wait and see what he looks like if he gets another one because he hasn't, fa- unlike Dakota Hudson, who's had a rehab assignment and has been pitching and was built up to, I think, what, 90 pitches maybe? Or 75? Like 65 or 80, yeah. Yeah, so Hudson would be more someone to read if we see him pitch today because he's been working. He's been uh, facing hitters at the minor league levels in a competitive atmosphere. Jack Flaherty's only had one uh, session facing hitters and it was his teammates wasn't competitive so if he gets rocked today which I don't think he will but if he does I wouldn't read too much into it because it's going to take him probably that outing to kind of get back to his form I'm watching for Dakota Hudson too because I think Dakota Hudson's a game changer you don't have a lot of ground ball inducing pitchers coming out of your bullpen you basically got a, TJ McFarland yeah you got a lot of guys who throw heat love that guy and, and the fact that you have a Dakota Hudson who could legitimately come out of the bullpen and give you four innings that's a game changer, in my opinion, just as much, if not more, than Jack Flaherty being a peak performance. I would love to see one of the bats off of the bench get hot over the next 10 days as well. That's like as much as Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson could be significant contributors to this team in a game like the wild card game. Man, having a lot of faith that you're going to get a really good at bat, whether it be from Lars Newtbar or Paul DeYoung getting hot down the stretch or Matt Carpenter, whoever it is. I don't even care who the bat is right now. Whoever that guy is that could potentially have a few key at-bats down the stretch, that's something this team desperately still needs even to this day. That's the one thing they're missing, that comp from mm-hmm. 2011, is they don't have that Alan Craig-type bat coming off their bench, which is it, that's a hard ask. But if someone can get hot, then I think that's They crucial. don't have the depth right now, position yeah. player-wise. They do in the bullpen. They do in their uh, rotation. Their pitching staff looks good depth-wise. They're they're still not there yet By the way, uh, this with is, their position players. This song's for John. Oh, baby, give me one more chance. 
to your heart. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, our football pick'em. I have been dreading this for the last week. But coming up next, Sarah Langs is a baseball analyst for MLB.com and MLB Network. She does a bunch of the number stuff for them. So just how improbable was this run for the Cardinals to get into the second wild card? We'll ask Sarah Langs of MLB Network next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll get to our football pick them here in about 10 minutes or so. God, I have been dreading this for the last week. What Can't wait. Punishments can we come gonna up break with? out of a slump one and eight so far to start the season. It's going to go better this week for me. I I'm, I'm sure of it right now. We are going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by a baseball analyst for MLB.com and MLB network. She is Sarah Langs joining us here on one one ESPN. Sarah, we sincerely appreciate the time today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. So you're very good with the numbers. That's one thing that I love about reading your work. Can you put in context for us just how improbable it was for the Cardinals to be where they are right now in this playoff race? Oh, my goodness. I mean, this has been so exciting to see play out. And I'm not even a fan. You know, I root for every team. I always say, I mean, I just love baseball as a whole. But the Cardinals, if you take a look at Fangraph playoff odds, they were at 2.8% playoff odds on September 7th. They're now at 98.1%. It feels like all but, you know, waiting for the clinch. It's going to happen. So I took a look on Fangraphs last night, and these odds, unfortunately, only go back to 2014. But if you go all the way back through all of those, there's only been one other team to make the playoffs in a year where they had single-digit playoff odds at any point in September. And it was the Brewers in 2019. And, of course, they made it as a wild card, like the Cardinals are likely going to here. Although, at this point, it feels like maybe they can get that division. I know that's not going to happen, but it's just been amazing to see. And that's the context that I think is really, really cool. We just don't see teams make this kind of comeback and this kind of turnaround in September. No, Sarah, stick to it. I said this the other day. Cardinals (laughs) just need to win out, Milwaukee lose out, and then they got the NL Central crown. That's what we're looking at right now. So, Sarah, this one might not be statistical, more of a gut feel, but when you see this Cardinals team play, does it give you the vibes of a team that can honestly make a run in the postseason rather than just get to a wild card game and be done? I really think so. I mean, and I love that you said that this isn't really a numbers thing because that's kind of what I'm going to say as well. You look at that team yesterday, the grand slam in the first inning, the fact that they were down 5 nothing, they've lost 48 consecutive games when they were trailing by five runs at any point. And that doesn't even count the fact that the 5-0 deficit was early on in the game and they come back to win. I mean, I just think there's intangibles there. This team never says die. And when you have that kind of team and you're heading into October and you're heading into the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, I think back to that 2006 team. I mean, they were won 83 games. They were not exactly dominating the National League at any point, and they went on to win the World Series. So I'm not sure that this team exactly measures up with that team, but I do think that there's no reason to say that they would go quietly into the night in that wild card game. I, I think that those 100-win teams 
would be a little bit concerned facing this team in a one-game wildcard game. We're talking to Sarah Langs, baseball analyst for both MLB.com and MLB Network. Follow her on Twitter as well. She's at S Langs on Sport. S Langs, L-A-N-G-S on Sports. Joining us here on 101 ESPN. Sarah, I found this interesting the other day. I was just kind of going through some of the numbers for this Cardinals team. And for so long, we've talked about how they're they're missing those big bats in the middle of their order. That was really the constant theme since 2013, going all the way up until, I guess, really as recently as 2020. And this year, so far, among qualified hitters, they have three of the top 14 players in the National League and wins above replacement. The last time that they could say that was 2011. At this point, do the Cardinals have as good of a core as anybody in the National League with those three big bats in the middle of their order and Goldie, O'Neill, and Arenado? It really feels like they can certainly compete with at least those other top teams. I mean, it's been great to see. We know that Goldie has always been a little bit of a slow starter in seasons, and you guys have seen that even just in his years with the Cardinals. But it's amazing how far behind him that all is now, and I think that one thing that sort of indicated that he was going to have another really great season is that he was crushing the ball even when he wasn't hitting as well earlier in the season. He was among the leaders in hard hit outs, and that's something I look at and say, okay, he's hitting the ball really hard. This is going to turn for him. And the Tyler O'Neill turnaround has been so much fun to watch. I mean, if you look at leaderboards for year-to-year improvements, whether it's batting average, hard hit rate, barrel rate, anything else like that, he is right there towards the top in all of those. And it's really great to see a player have that kind of turnaround and have such an outstanding season. I mean, I think he's been really clutch for them, you know, and that's something that we can kind of quantify with something like win probability added. But that kind of gets the intangibles for me where you just know at a certain point if he's coming up in the eighth or ninth inning that something good is going to happen here. And it's really great to have a player like that. And Arenado, I mean, the the best thing about Nolan Arenado's season to me is just that he is completely disproving the whole idea that certain guys or that he might have been a product of Coors Field, you know. And my colleague Mike Petriello at MLB.com has written this a number of times about how playing at Coors makes you worse on the road because you get used to the high elevation and the way you see the ball there. And then when you go on the road somewhere else, it's much harder to adjust. So playing 81 home games there really puts you at a disadvantage on the road, which gets to the fact where when a guy is traded or a guy signs as a free agent, everyone looks at, okay, his home road splits. And, oh, he's so much worse on the road. That's what he's going to be in Bush Stadium. That's what he's going to be as a non-Rocky. But the truth is it lies somewhere in the middle. And Arenado has done a great job of proving that just with his play this year. So, And, of course, I mean, the defense, I, I know you're talking about offense, but that play you made uh, two nights ago right over by the tarp and every play that you guys have seen from him this year, it's just it's a joy to watch and it's really exciting that we're going to get to see all of that in the postseason again. Sarah, I want to go back to Tyler O'Neill because the conversation we've been having over the last couple of weeks is, is this something that he can sustain and build off of this year? I mean, we've talked if this guy's potentially has MVP in him in the next couple of seasons with this Cardinals team from what you've seen this season in his emergence does it give you vibes that he can continue that and grow off of it absolutely because you know the number one thing that I look at is okay is he getting lucky 
or is he did he make substantive changes that are now being reflected in what he's doing and when i take a look at his baseball savant page he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has before so as long as he keeps doing that he's going to see similar results and the other thing that really stands out to me is that he's making better contact we look at launch angle so I know a lot of people like to talk about launch angle and say, oh, his average launch angle is this, that, whatever number. But what really is important when you're talking about launch, you're talking about that angle of contact is sweet spot rate. So sweet spot rate is the percentage of bad balls that's between 8 and 32 degrees in terms of launch angle. That's considered the sweet spot zone. So that's an attempt to sort of quantify a baseball term that has existed forever right in the concept of sweet spot and his sweet spot rate is at 39 percent right now the mlb average is around 32 so that tells me he's making a ton of that ideal contact so when you combine that and the hard hit rate that tells me that he's made swing changes and changes in approach that as long as he continues to do them there's no reason he won't do similar things next year She's Sarah Langs. Find her work over at MLB.com and MLB Network. Sarah, final question that I have for you. The Cardinals pitching is really the one question that we have remaining for this team. If you look at the names, you, you wouldn't be all that impressed by what they have right now. But if you look at the results, especially if you just look at ERA and don't look at any of the other underlying numbers, it's been super impressive over the last month or two. Do you trust this pitching staff in the playoffs, given the defense that they have behind them? You know, I I love that you uh, said it exactly that way because the defense is kind of what I was going to say as you were uh, kind of posing that question. I do think there are some questions with this uh, pitching staff overall and certainly underlying numbers say that maybe there's been some luck involved or whatever else, but it isn't really luck. It's the fact that they have an outstanding defense behind them. They're far and away the best team in outs above average, and this is something that they've done historically for a long time now, being really good defensively. And, of course, run prevention is not just pitching. It also comes down to those fielders. So while I would have some concerns, especially in the bullpen and everywhere else, you know, we're going to see Jack Flaherty back today. We'll see exactly how deep he can go. And I think getting him back, and I know there was talk about Dakota Hudson potentially coming back as well. I think those could really be some wild cards that could really help them. And I do think that when you have Paul Goldschmidt at first, Nolan Arenado at third, you have Harrison Bader out there. I mean, when you have those guys helping to prevent runs, I do think that that puts them in a better spot than we might think otherwise just looking at this pitching staff. Sarah, it's been a heck of a lot of fun, and thanks so much for helping us break down exactly how improbable it's all been to watch the Cardinals win 12 straight and hopefully go for wins number 13 and 14 in a row later on this afternoon out in Chicago. All the best to you. We look forward to talking with you again soon, hopefully as this Cardinals team goes on a nice little playoff run into the month of October. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Ton of fun. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. At Sarah Langs, baseball analyst for MLB.com and MLB Network joining us here on 101 ESPN. Alex, I know you said the other day, hey, do you think Paul Goldschmidt could get some MVP consideration? Like not just for, you know, top 10 or so. Could he actually get some serious MVP consideration? Yeah, the commercial break, you told me to never bring up that stupid thought again. Yeah, that's what I tried to tell you. And then I thought about it a little bit more. I was like, man, Alex might have been onto something here. I I don't think he will get like any votes for number one. 
I'm not sure he's going to get any votes for top two. I would think that the top three guys, frankly, right now are still Soto, Tatis, and Harper. In some in some order, I think Soto might end up winning it at this point. He's it's kind of pulling away given what he's done in the second half. He's got a 470 on base percentage, guys. He's getting on base 47% of the time. The next closest in the National League is 43% with Bryce Harper. He's unbelievable. He's basically lapping the field right now. Um, but... I think you could make a legit case right now that Paul Goldschmidt's had the fourth best year of any player in the National League among position players. Yeah. So he he very well may finish with a top five MVP type of season for the Cardinals this year. And you, that's, you've got two guys that could be in that conversation with him and Tyler O'Neill. Honestly, I, I don't know if Arenado would get any of them, but I, I wonder if he gets some votes. I think O'Neill might get top ten. I do not think he'll get into the top five. No, I'm talking Arenado. Did, did I say oh, O'Neal? My O'Neal. apologies. Sorry. Arenado, I, I, I don't think we'll get top five, but I think maybe top ten. I'm with you on that, but, man, it's just it's one of those things. When you get over 30 home runs and 100 RBIs, and with the defense that he provides, people at least look at that name. So, But props to, Col- to Goldschmidt if he gets that because his first month of the season, I mean, we were talking about is this guy declining and are you going to be stuck with this contract? And look at what he's done now. It's been super impressive to watch, and that's, I mean, we say all the time, how did this team turn it around? Well, the answer is they've had their three best players playing their best at the most important time. Right. You've watched Arenado, Goldie, and O'Neal put up MVP types of numbers in the month when it mattered the most. And this is what we were all waiting for all season long. We wanted to see what's this lineup look like when their best players are actually hitting like their best players. Well, this is the answer. What what you've watched recently is is what it would look like. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Huge thanks to Sarah Langs for joining the show. If you missed any of that, check out the podcast page, 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app after the show today. The junk drawer is coming up in about 15 minutes or so, but coming up next, it is my least favorite time of the week. I hate everything about this segment, but we got to do it because for the fourth straight week, I'm going to try to avoid getting the punishment. It's our football pick up next on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. On the plus side, I'm 0 3 in this football pick'em. What's the plus for that? Well, I did win a game. I was uh, correct on one pick yeah, back in week one. Do you remember what that was? Did you like frame that pick? I should probably check. I don't remember you getting one Keep right. All of my notes in this handy dandy notebook. Blues, clues, blues, clues. Come on, um, you gotta know that damn reference, yes, Tanner. I did. That was one of my favorite shows. When I was like, I three. got the Packers correct. They were minus four. Nope, that was no, a wrong. That was one. a wrong one that you got. Iowa State lost. Ohio State. I think Ohio State won that game. He had Ohio State. I had Ohio State. That was the no, one I pushed this on. Is, that wasn't the right week. Well, ladies and gentlemen, while BK tries to find the one win that he has had in it three was the weeks. the first week that I, that I got one. He is one That's and cute. eight. That is very cute, Mo. He is one and eight this season. The football guy, I one and Georgia. eight. Remember, Georgia, I picked them straight up against Clemson. That I don't was remember. the one game that I've had correct so well, far this year. He's one and eight. BK has had back, 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 and Ladies losses. and gentlemen, in the middle of this sandwich, this turd sandwich, is Tanner Hendrickson. He's With three and six, three and, and six somehow records. he's looking like roses right now. Well, he can't look as, like roses. He can't look as good as Ferrario though, because that's a five, three and one overall record. And yeah. every weeks. week, I think Alex's picks oh, stinks. Good for you. And then we get to Monday, and I'm like, man, I wish I had Alex's picks. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so Alex won last week yet again, so he got to pick his choice in the order. We are drafting nine games for this football weekend, five of which will be from the NFL for college football. It's a pretty crappy college football slate this weekend. This is an apple-picking weekend, ladies and gentlemen. I'm picking second. Tanner will be picking back-to-back third and fourth. Alex, what do you have for us with your first overall well, pick We this also, week? guys, we also need to come up with a punishment for this one. I like so, the idea of someone going through a table. We brought that up during the break. Oh, like jumping like Buffalo Bill Have to style? Go through. Yeah, and if you fail to go through, you just got to keep jumping until you go through that thing. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Like, are we talking a wooden table? Yeah. And, like, get a ladder and just have to keep jumping well, no, until you do something? It's the table, the foldable chairs. The foldable tables. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think we get a wooden table. Well, you got to no. break that though? You got to break your what back, you, man. Did you break the foldable one, like, in the first try? That's the goal. No, I want to do it where you have to do like it like crazy, five or six though. times. It would hurt like, like crazy. WWE style. Like I want to flip somebody off. Oh, of you know, even if I lose, We've I have got to go some through it. Written down. We'll, we'll All get right, to right. let's start with this Cena. one. So I don't have a overwhelming one that I feel like, oh yeah, that's a lock for me right now. All of these make me sweat. All of these make me really nervous. But what I am going to go with here is I'm going to take the Chargers plus seven at Kansas City. That's a good pick. That's that's a pretty like. Kansas City's defense hasn't done anything for me to be like, oh, yeah, I feel really good about this. I think the Chargers are going to be a little ticked off after last week against the Cowboys. So my first pick in the BK and Ferrario week four pick, um, challenge, Chargers plus seven. All right, don't go blaming Heiss either if they don't cover no, 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 that no, no. because no. Heiss said to basically do that. Did he? Yeah, he said the Chiefs are, what, like 2-13 and 13 against the spread? Oh, yeah, he said just pick against the spread no matter what. Yeah. I think the losers should have a tase, get tased. All right, I've got the second pick. I hate all of these. All of these. I'm looking at this sheet, and it's like, okay, do I really like any of these picks? You're the guy who picked the games, by the way. Let I'm, the audience know. Yeah, I, I pick which games because I go by which ones I think are the the best games of the weekend. I don't pick on which ones I like. I pick on the best games. So that way we can have something that's worthwhile to watch. Look, you don't have to raise your voice at me. <laughs> you know what I'm going to go with? Tanner, I'm sorry. Just say it. We all know they stink. Go Purdue. against them. Purdue is really bad. Oh, baby. Purdue's not good. You're going to Purdue. Illinois is worse. You're going I'm Purdue. I'm going Purdue. <laughs> Minus the 11 points at home going up against the fighting Illini. I'm going to take the, the Purdue Boilermakers at home. Minus the 11. Oh, that felt like a loss. I love it. That does feel like a loss. Man, Remember I what really Stoltz told us? Illinois. You go against what they did the previous week, and Illinois got embarrassed in the previous week. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Embarrassed, but uh, all right. With my first pick, I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus three and a half against the Eagles. The Eagles were not that impressive. Dak continues to play well. The Cowboys are struggling to run the ball with Zeke. But uh, How about them Cowboys? I'm not a big fan of the... I'm not a big fan of the Eagles, so I will take the Cowboys minus three and a half. And then if I'm going to go with another one, it, it feels like a pick em, which it probably shouldn't because Minnesota stinks and Kirk Cousins <laughs> is overrated. So give me the Seahawks minus one and a half up in Minnesota. I like that pick. I always get stuck with this last and one. You, the, the nice thing for that one, you might have another out in that Dalvin Cook might be out for that game. Um, he, it sounds like he is trying to play, but he has not practiced all week. He did not practice once again today. Alexander Madison is a solid backup, but, uh, he's, he's not as good as Dalvin. They still have Kirk cousins, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So the NFL games that are remaining are the Packers at the 49ers, 49ers minus the three points in that one. And then the Bucks on the road at the Rams, the Rams are a one point home underdog in that in the college football slate. I've got Notre Dame at Wisconsin. 
Texas A&M at Arkansas, and Mizzou at Boston College. So here's what I'm going to do. I don't have Mizzou on here. Oh, yeah, it's on the next page. Mizzou (laughs) is a a one-and-a-half-point road favorite at Boston College. I think Mizzou's going to win this game, and I think they're going to win this game by more than two points. Really? So I'm going to take Boston College (laughs) plus the one-and-a-half. I'm going to go against what I believe will actually happen. Because that has not been working for me so far. You're doing what the fans want you to do. I'm going to do the opposite of what I think will actually take place. And hopefully that helps me not get punished next week. Plus, if they win, it means that I don't get punished and my heart is hurt because Mizzou lost. But at least my body is not hurt because I have a punishment. My mind is telling me no. Okay. Um, All right, Alex Ferrario, you are up next, my man. I have all underdogs for the rest of these. And I just don't feel comfortable because I've already taken one underdog. Um, man, I think I'm going to go Bucks minus one here at the Rams. Okay. I'm a little concerned, but man, a minus one. I mean, you just need them to win. That's a, that's really what this is. It comes down to Bucks and Rams, and I feel pretty confident that they're going to beat the Rams. You guys really have got me rooting for my teams this week. The Rams, <laughs> Illinois. Oh, this couldn't Man, go any better I, for me. I'm I'm like second guessing it now, but I'm going against with what I or going with what I always say in our 101 Pick'em Challenge. Go with your gut. I put down Bucks minus one. I'm t- taking Bucks minus one. All right, with, wait, is it me or is no, it you it's now? No, oh, yeah, it is you. Yeah, it's you, you now, jumped. Tanner. God, I hate this rule, how I don't get back-to-back picks at all, and I win. Well, I mean, you had the first pick. Yeah. That's the that's a big reward. Yeah. It's not, not this down. week with these <laughs> picks. That's true. Woof. So I really like A&M minus four and a half against Arkansas. The problem is, is every week, you read off the record, I'm three and six. Every week, I've had the favorites. Well, so, and I did Arkansas last week, and they almost, I think they were the loss that I took last week. The odds makers have Wisconsin favored by six and a half against Notre Dame. Oh, you're taking that one? At home against them. Give me Notre Dame plus six and a half. They'll cover that thing. I saw Wisconsin play Penn State. The one thing they couldn't do, they couldn't hold onto the football and punch it into the end zone. So give me the Notre Dame fighting Irish. I'll be wearing my, I don't know what they wear, skirt, and I'll be dancing around rooting for the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Yeah. Same with me, man. Lederhosen. That ain't a... That's, a, that's basically what my daughter wears. It's like overalls my, for babies. I'm doing mine voluntarily. <sighs> mine was involuntary, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> All right. So the games that are remaining for me to be able to pick, I hate both of them. The 49ers are at home minus the three points against the Packers. Basically a pick them. The 49ers get the three points for being at home. Vegas is saying they view these teams as being equal. And then a neutral site game, it's Texas A&M minus the four and a half points against Arkansas. I have no feel for Texas A&M or Arkansas. You guys don't have a feel for that game? I see no feel whatsoever. Well, maybe you should have picked it then, Tanner. I know, but I needed an underdog. Neither does Vegas, by the way. I know, which it is surprising. It started out with one team being favored by five and a half, and then it closed with the other team being favored by five and a half points. Texas A&M is a five and a half point favorite in this one. We've got it down as four and a half. I think it's Aggies, moved even more since then. I think the Aggies kill them. 67% of the tickets right now are coming in on Arkansas. Remember, Texas A&M only scored 10 points against Colorado. They're good, though. Are they? I'm going to take the Packers plus the three. Oh, God, you're leaving me with that freaking game? I'm going to take the Packers plus the three points. I think the 49ers are the better team. I think they're going to win that game. I think they cover the spread. I'm sticking with my gut feeling this week of I should just go against any of my nature because I'm terrible at this. So I'm going to take the Packers plus the three points on the road. You took Purdue minus 11. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he said he. Oh well, he was. Well, just, that one I I feel pretty strongly about good that, with that one. one. Yeah, because Illinois. That one I feel rough. good about. You clearly didn't watch last week's game. Oh my god! All right, so you have Alex. Your choice: Texas A&M or Arkansas. Texas A&M minus the four points. This one is a neutral site game, technically in Dallas. This sucks. Um, I wrote down. I'm going to take Arkansas plus four and a half, but you know what? I'm going to second guess myself on this one, and I hope this isn't the loss this week, but hey, we know PK is going to get three of them. So I'm taking the Aggies plus four and a half. No, minus four and a half. Minus four and a half. I apologize. Texas Just making A&M. making sure you're good with that. Texas A&M minus four and a half. All so right. I have one underdog and two favorites. So here's what you've got for this weekend. If you are rooting against any one of us because Mostly you want, if you want yeah, one BK. of us to end up getting punished, pretty much. BK. Alex has the Chargers plus seven points in Kansas City. He has the Buccaneers minus one point in Los Angeles. So you've got two road teams going into their opposing teams, uh, home stadium and then you've got texas a&m minus the four and a half points against arkansas in a neutral site field in dallas tanner has the cowboys minus three and a half points he has the seahawks minus one and a half point and he has notre dame plus the six and a half my kill and my winning picks this week i'm feeling a three and oh week boys thank you purdue minus the 11 boston college plus one and a half packers plus three from the top ropes boom if you're a fan of any of those teams, I apologize. Oh, yeah, baby. You know what? I, I feel pretty comfortable now that I see them on paper. The one that makes me stressed is Texas A&M because I went against my gut feel. I feel good with the Chargers plus seven. Do you know how I feel terrible good in the I feel about my picks? Like, just <laughs> awful. Well, you you literally went against yourself on two of the three. Uh-huh. So now it's going to BKO. You're going to BKO, BKO yourself. It's BKO squared. Does it work that way? No, it doesn't. We told you the only way to get BKO to break is if all three of us agree on what your BK. Do you guys agree with any of my picks? No, nope. they're all terrible. <laughs> nope. You I'm at gonna, least agree with Purdue. I'm going to bet again. No, nope. I don't I'm because gonna... I think Illinois is going to cover that. If I had any recommendation to any of our <laughs> listeners right now, my recommendation <laughs> would be Illinois plus 11, Mizzou minus one and a half, and the 49ers minus the three. Put that as a parlay. Man, I, I don't know what that is over in. on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'll tell you in the next segment. But boy, oh boy, that has money written all over it. The junk drawer is coming up next. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Picks are in Purdue, Boston College, and the Packers. Purdue minus the 11, Boston College plus one and a half, and the Packers plus three. If you missed it in the last segment, those are the picks for the pick this week. They're going to go three and oh, but the likelihood is they're going to go oh and three, which means if you bet on the other side of those games, Alex. Yeah. Because we're betting you have a you. six to one odds parlay. You can do that over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I would recommend doing exactly that. Alex, what do you have for us today in the junk drawer? So I got a fun one today, boys, and I don't want to take too much time because I know BK, you have a great one as well. But my grandpa, who is in a uh, retirement home, he has made a friend since being there. And his friend called Big Fred is a avid listener to BK and Ferrario. Oh Frankly, boy. he loves listening to 101 ESPN, but he always tunes into BK and Ferrario because Thanks, I mean, I mean his friend is, you know, his grandson's on the air. Anyway, he sent us a letter. I got the letter yesterday and I'm thinking, "Oh, cool. Fred took some time to write a letter because oh, he loves our show, yeah. right? Fan letter. I love these. Not so much, boys. And I wanted to save this for you and our listeners on air because I'm sure a lot of them would agree with this. Hello, Alex. 
Presently, I am happily incarcerated with your grandpa at Garden Villa South. Apologies on the incarcerated. I think that's a joke. We often talk at breakfast about you and WXOS sports programming. Of course, talking about BK and Ferrario. He's really proud of you. I talked to him about your program's lack of sports nostalgia for old guys and agreed to give you some of my ideas. Maybe you can forget Barstool Millenniums for about 10 minutes a day and devote that time to older generations. T-Bone, I think he's talking to you because you're older, remember? Fred, we just played a song from the 60s. (laughs) That is true. So then he went on, talked about our show, and then he said, maybe you didn't get to see what I sent over, so I wanted to make sure you could see it this time. Love the shows, okay? To ignore me if you would. Fred, we would never do that because we love our listeners. This was the best part. By the way... What has waxing chest hair have anything to do with sports? Really kind of disgusting. And I thought I'd save this for the junk drawer because if the waxing of the chest is the most disgusting thing that we've done on this show, that's incorrect. It's actually not as bad as I expected it to be. Well, it got worse. I saved some of it, though. Why? No, I didn't. It, that's as bad as it okay. was. Okay. Wait, that's you saved bad. the hair? So he basically said there's not enough nostalgia for him because he's uh, he's in a different age bracket than we are. Yeah, I get that. If you're somebody that believes that about this show, that's probably the single most fair criticism of this show. Well, let's be honest here. I mean, we have no nostalgia in our minds. I mean, nostalgia for us goes back to 90s. Yeah. T-Bones yeah. goes to 2010. 28 years old. Alex is 30. 31. Thanks. Appreciate that. Tanner is 12. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of Tanner going back in his day that he could go to. But you know so. what? God bless Big Fred for listening to us daily. Yeah. Because, like... Hey, if we're bringing any type of entertainment to him on a daily basis, that's all I care about. I would imagine Fred would not love the story that I'm about to tell you, Alex. If it's about a USB, then I would say no. Nope, it's not. It's about students in Boston who went on a field trip and their AP language and composition teacher. Only fans account. He is an 11th grade teacher. Oh, never mind. They went on a field trip and because there is a shortage of buses right now, he had to go to a different style of bus. What? They took a party bus complete with a stripper pole and neon lights nice. on the field trip. This was from the Brook Charter School in Boston. And it was a bus with stripper poles? A bus with stripper poles and neon lights. He said apparently there is a bus shortage that is taking place right now, along with a bus driver shortage that is taking place because in part of the pandemic. And so he had to decide, you know what, are we going on this field trip or not? He decided that his students deserved to be able to go on that field trip. And as a result, the only way he could go was if he booked a party bus complete with stripper poles and neon lights. I don't see a problem with this. I love it. I don't see a problem with this. I do wonder, what do you think, like, Little Sally, who's in 11th grade. Well, she she wouldn't be Little Sally if she's a junior in high school. Hey, well, to her parents, she's Little Sally. Are you Little little BK to your parents? Is Adelaide always going to be a little girl in your heart? Uh, She took a big girl poop the other day, so I don't think so. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) Okay. Well, so little Sally uh, goes home to her parents, (laughs) and she says, hey, hey, mom, hey, dad. And they say, as you always do when your kids walk through the door, hey, what did you you do today? Oh, yeah, what did you do today? (laughs) What did you do today? How was your day? And little Sally says, you know, it was actually a really great day. We went with our AP language and composition class on a field trip. They say, oh, okay. You know, I heard on the news the other day there's a bus shortage. How'd you guys get there? (laughs) Why would you hear that on the news (laughs) the other day? And little Sally says, oh, well, our teacher rented us a party bus that had stripper poles and neon lights on it. 
Is she what gonna... do you think those conversations were like for the administration with some of those parents? But if I'm a parent, I would say, okay, was it was it a good trip? Like, I don't care if there's a stripper pole in there. They don't know well, that it's a stripper no pole. Dancer with the pole. Yeah, I think was it's there fine. a stripper on the party bus? I can neither confirm nor deny. Where was the Where was the field trip to? So it doesn't say in this story. Unfortunately, I, mean, if it's an I wish it would say. Trip, but... Like that seems the most random. Like I remember yeah, my where AP do you go for that. I remember my AP comp teachers in high school, and like I can't envision them getting on a party bus with neon lights and a stripper pole. <laughs> I don't know, man. Mister Mayors is a. Uh, the stud apparently but i respect this honestly like in hey, all seriousness he wanted to make sure him. yeah he wanted to make sure his kids got to go on a field trip so props to that professor for finding a way to do it i just remember back in in high school there were certainly plenty of parents that if they heard about their kids going on a field trip on a party bus oh yeah with stripper poles and neon lights there were probably going to be, uh, you know, a couple of conversations that were had with the administration. And I'm with you there because there are so many parents probably that would hear that and be like, oh, that is not going to stand yeah. and then calls them up immediately. I feel bad for the AP professor because he's going to get the feedback 100%. on that. And he just wanted to make sure his kids got to go on a trip. Yeah, he just wanted to make sure they have the same experience that all of his kids other than the 2020 class, just, unfortunately, were able to have. Just tell the kids as a support beam. <laughs> I mean, those on the bus. I mean, okay. technically, technically every stripper pole is a support beam. We so we have a uh, a rather large wedding party in our wedding, as you know, Alex. Um, no, don't tell me you're going to use the stripper pole because I don't want to envision that. <laughs> no, no, no. There's eleven groomsmen. We have three ushers, and Kara has eleven bridesmaids as well. All of them have to get on our party bus between the ceremony and the reception. So there is only one company in all of St. Louis that has a party bus large enough to supply fifty people. There are a lot of stripper poles on that party bus. Man, a lot of stripper poles. I remember when we had to get ours for our wedding because we had a big wedding party as a party as well. And like the, to buy a bus, like a party bus, yeah. it was too expensive to fit that many people. So we just basically had to get like a bus, like, you know, like a bus you take on a trip where they're like <laughs> RVs. So we had everyone, my wife and I were sitting in the front of this like RV bus where it's just two seats like a school bus. I'm like, well, it was cheap. Really? Oh, yeah. We had a $10,000 budget, man, and we stuck to that budget. For your entire wedding? For our entire wedding. God and bless you, I dude. Think we God only, bless you. <laughs> I think we only went over maybe five grand. So, maybe five grand. For the entire wedding? Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. My Seriously. Wife, Katie that's made, amazing. Katie made so many of the center. Well, and her mom and her sister, they made the centerpieces. They, like, decorated it themselves. If it's you don't incredible. mind me asking, how, how many people were at your wedding? Oh, God. She, she'll text me if I'm incorrect on this, but I want to say it was it was around 150 people, okay. 175. PK, I don't have a lot of friends, man. We're we're around 300 right now. That is just <laughs> insanity. It's, uh, it uh, for it, you to feel like you'll be able to visit with 300 people <laughs> at your wedding is a joke. From the 618 guys, you're gonna have 11 groomsmen. Are you insane? Hey, man, trust me eight. when I say that was not my decision. Yeah. That a lot of the decisions that are made, as many of you probably know, if you've been married, uh, it yeah. it is not your decision to make how many people are in your. Uh, your wedding party that yeah. is all on the bride yeah i had eight in my my groom's party and i was yeah. the one that had that many so my wife had to find eight people <laughs> if i've met you at any point in my life there's a good chance i asked you to be in my wedding yeah, I'm, the guy for uh, a year and I'm at the wedding i wasn't asked to be a part of that <laughs> Tanner wedding Hendrickson, oh, i'm awkward. brandon kyle 
Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we've got some NFL quick hitters going into a, a big weekend in the NFL. But coming up next, so how do we determine where Buchnevich is going to play for the Blues this year? Which side is he going to be on? We'll talk about that. And if there's any lessons to be learned from the first couple of days of camp next on 101 ESPN. Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. I mean, you know right away when a player's not comfortable, he can't take the puck off the boards. He's, you know, the puck's getting caught in his feet. Uh, he's turning pucks over because it's not the same eye that he's seen from the other side. If that happens, I mean, Craig Berube's a smart guy. He's going to say, okay, boys, let's make a shift. Let's get him over on the strong side. We made a big commitment to him, and uh, and, and we'll make sure he's comfortable to begin with. But I like the players that say, you know what, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, that you do that for as long as it does or doesn't work, and then you make a change after that. That was Darren Pang on with us about a month ago talking about the plan for Pavel Buchnevich. The Blues gave him the big contract extension in the offseason, and now he's a significant part of their plans moving forward. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. So right now, so far through camp, Pavel Buchnevich has been playing on the right side. He's on a line today with Jake Neighbors playing left wing, Braden Shin at center, and Pavel Buchnevich is at right wing. Alex, I think this is one of the more intriguing storylines throughout camp, and as we talked about yesterday with Joey Vitale, don't read too much into these lines, especially the combination so far. It's not so much about that. They want to find out what Jake Neighbors is like with two significant pieces of their roster. They want to find out what a guy like Clem Costin can do if he's on a line with Ryan O'Reilly and Jordan Cairo, as he has been the first couple of days in camp. But I do find it interesting that Pavel Buchnevich, through the first couple of days, is on the right side, not the left side. We thought maybe he would be a left wing option for them. If he ends up staying on the right, it does make it interesting to find out what they're going to do, especially on that top line on the left wing. Yeah, and here's the interesting development with that. And I'm with Joey. Like you can't keep you can't take these things to heart too much. 100%. Like it's going to move around. I would imagine Buchnevich is going to be taking some reps on the left side in the next couple of days. But you have a lot of guys who play the right side. You don't have a lot of guys who feel comfortable on the left side everybody on this team can play left or right right like they talk about it all the time it's your it's it's interchangeable like throughout a game you're going to shift around left or right wing but like let's just go down the list here Tarasenko's a right winger if he's playing which he's going to be he's on the right side David Perron's success comes from the right side he's going to be playing there then there comes down to the conversation of Jordan Cairo and Pavel Buchnevich. And there, I think, is the interesting point with this, because who feels more comfortable and is more successful on that wing? Buchnevich plays the right side. He said he can play the left, but he's comfortable on his right. Jordan Cairo's best games last season came on the right side, specifically when he was playing with Braden Shem. The only guy on the left side is Brandon Saad. So it's going to really come down to who feels more comfortable on the right side, Buchnevich or Jordan Cairo. But it also comes down to the pairings, because if Jordan Cairo finds success with Ryan O'Reilly, well, guess what? You're going to be playing on the left wing because Perron's not shifting. If he finds success with Robert Thomas, but so does Vladimir Tarasenko, you're going to be playing on the left side. So I think the competition right now comes down to Buchnevich and Cairo in terms of the right wing and who looks more comfortable on that because Cairo was skating with O'Reilly 
on the right side today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so both of them are on the right side along with Tarasenko. It is interesting, actually. David Perron is on the left side today. Uh, They've got Neil on the right side of that line according to what they've been saying out at uh, Blues camp. Obviously, David Perron's going to be on the right side. He's going to be with Ryan O'Reilly. So like you said, don't read too much into what you're seeing right now. Um, I think the other thing with the Buchnevich versus the Kairou discussion, because I do think that's an important one, it might come down to veteran presence. I don't think Jordan Kairou is going to be the one that makes that decision. Yeah. I think that's going to come down to Pavel Buchnevich. He's the guy that they've invested significant money in, significant resources in to go out there and trade for. And he has the longer history of success at the National Hockey League level. If Buchnevich says to the coaching staff, hey, I'm just much more comfortable on the right side. I don't really want to play on the left. I think he takes priority over Jordan Cairo. Last year was different because last year, the guy that it was a conversation about was Mike Hoffman. Does Mike Hoffman stay on the left side or go to the right? Well, Cairo is the guy that you're going to keep around longer than Mike Hoffman. And by the way, he failed his physical going yeah. into camp, which I found interesting. Um, but Hoffman ended up on the left side a lot of the time because Jordan Cairo is more significant for the here and now and the future than Hoffman was a year ago. So that's something worth keeping in mind with this Buchnevich versus the Cairo discussions. I think it's going to be, hey, Pavel, which one do you prefer? And if he says right, I think you're going to see Jordan Cairo get a lot of time on the left side this Well, year. I think it comes down to pairings too, right? Until, we, until Tarasenko was traded, by the way. Then it correct. changes again. Yes. I think it comes down to pairings too. And Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube had talked about that on our station. I think it was Doug Armstrong who was with Carriker and Smallman yep. that mentioned it. If you have pairings to where one guy looks great with another man, well then how does that how does that interchange? Because we know Perron's gonna be with O'Reilly. Then it comes down to well, is Tarasenko with Thomas or is Saad with Thomas? Because if Saad's with Thomas, well that's the left side and it opens up the right wing to interchange with guys. But if Tarasenko's with Thomas, well, then you're looking at another left-wing position, and then it comes back to Shen. Is yeah, Shen. Who do you think is Shen's guy? Who's the guy that's going to be with Shen this year? I find it really interesting that they're putting Buchnevich with him because I think they're really trying to get that chemistry going. But I wouldn't be surprised if they go to Jordan Cairo with Braden Shen because Braden Shen is the prototypical two-way forward who pressures for the puck. He goes in hard. He's what the Blues want at center. Jordan Cairo is the guy who can skate around quickly, find open lanes, and snap a shot off really quick to beat a goaltender. So if he's doing that, can you do that? Well, apparently my phone's going off now. But if he's doing that, you got a phone call. That's very true. I thought that was on silent. Must be the Blues because they love the ideas. If if Cairo is getting those shots off, and so is Buchnevich, well then yeah, you're going to say okay. Well, which one do you feel comfortable moving around? And if Buchnevich says, look, I feel better on the right side, then Cairo's going to move over there. But I think for right now, the pairings, at least what I'm looking at, O'Reilly's going to be with Perron. I think they're trying to figure out if Cairo can work there. Buchnevich is going to start with Chen, and Thomas is going to start with Tarasenko and Saad. But I think the pairing to pay attention to on that line is Thomas and Saad. Yeah, I I really wonder where Costin fits into all of this as well, because him getting opportunities with Ryan O'Reilly is worth monitoring. And if you end up seeing him have success there, maybe Costin. I know that seems strange because he's a young player that hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities, but we've seen this in the past. I mean, you've seen Zach Sanford and Ivan Barbashev and anybody that they need to get going offensively, they'll get them up there with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron because you know that line is going to be successful. So, hey, let's put them in a position to succeed. It reminds me a little bit of the Cardinals Hey, who's struggling right now offensively? Or who do we have going? Let's put them in between Goldie and Arenado. And now you've got Tyler O'Neill there. And boom, we've seen how much success he's having in that three hole in the lineup. That's basically what your left wing is right now on the top line. The other guy that I would love to see there, 
Honestly, let's see Jordan Cairo get some opportunities with that line. You know Perron and O'Reilly are going to be responsible defensively. Yeah. That's probably the single biggest criticism at this point of Jordan Cairo's game. He was much better last year in that spot, but there are still moments when he's not the perfect defender in his own zone. Ryan O'Reilly is. Ryan O'Reilly's always going to be responsible. So having him on that line would be interesting. I would love to see Cairo, O'Reilly, Perron on that top line with Saad, Shin, and Buchnevich as your second line. And then you've got Costin, Thomas, and Tarasenko as your third line there. The way I always look at the line combos, and they might be doing a different mindset this season. Who knows? But the way I always look at it is how Craig Berube likes to have it. You want a centerman, a big centerman who can move the puck. You want a guy who pressures the puck in the zone. Think back to what my favorite line from last year was, the Schwarzenru line was. You have God, that's Sh- a terrible name. It was a great name. What did you just call that Schwarzenru. Oh my it was a fantastic no, name. It was phenomenal. Offensive. Anyway. Shen was the Shen was the puck mover. Shen was the big centerman. Schwartz was the guy who battled for the puck. He went to the front of the net, and Kairou was the shooter. That's how at least I'm envisioning you organize your lines. You got a guy who shoots, a guy who likes to go to the front of the net, and your centerman. And if it's Kairou, O'Reilly, Perron, I don't know if I feel comfortable with Kairou or Perron being the guys that go to the front of the net. I think O'Reilly is. And that's the thing. That's that's the thing, because I think David Perron is a guy that is a bit of a playmaker as well as being a shooter. And we've seen the amount of chemistry that those two guys have, whether it be playing with give and go, whatever it might be. Those guys have a chemistry that is very difficult to replicate. And O'Reilly is completely unafraid of going to the front of the net. So it's definitely different in the way that it is constructed. Typically, your left winger for a lot of these lines is the guy that's going to the front of the net. But if O'Reilly's willing to do that, I think that's the way that you make it work. It, it'd be different. Yeah. It, it would definitely be a different configuration than what we see most of the time. But it's it's something that I would at least be intrigued by seeing because Cairo adds an element to that line that we haven't really seen a whole lot of. His dynamism is something that they didn't really have at the top line yeah. left wing spot a year ago. They've they've got other options who would bring that as well. Saad brings some of that to the top I line. Know, I can't wait to see well. him. I think it was O'Reilly that called him a Swiss Army knife yesterday after yeah. the training camp. He's going to be fun to watch. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us four options, we'll tell you which one's got to go. That's coming up at 1.30, but coming up next, the individual game that you're most interested in watching this weekend, and we'll give you our upset picks of the week. NFL Quick Hitters is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Six five seven eight is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But right now, we got to get into our football Quick hitters for the weekend, Alex. Easy for you to say, hard for me to say. You're right. Let's start with this. What's the game of the week? The game you're most interested in watching on Sunday. If you could only watch one, what is it? Tampa versus the Rams. Buccaneers versus Rams. I mean, that 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 to me is gonna have the same level of interest that it was Cowboys Buccaneers at the start of the season more so for me yeah I I think it's more so but I was really intrigued because I wanted to see what the Cowboys looked like I'm interested in this one because I think this might be a battle for the Super Bowl from the NFC side and my gut tells me that Tampa Tampa's gonna come away with this one but look I mean I know we kind of joked around about the Rams after their previous week against the Colts but look 
They won that game. They're 2-0, and I'm really intrigued of who's going to come out on top in that one. Yeah, I think that's my game for me because I think this is an NFC Championship preview. I think we're going to see what both teams meet. Both teams are going to have an idea what they need to work on, basically building up to when they meet again. And for the, your point on the Rams and their struggles against the Colts, I legitimately think they overlooked the Colts and were right preparing for this game. So th- I think this is going to be the best game on the Sunday slate. The other thing is that the Rams, if they have a weakness defensively, it's their run defense. The Bucks have no interest in running the football ball so they're going straight into what the heart of that Rams defense is which is that secondary and the Rams are not going to be running the ball because Henderson was on the injured report they were also Floyd or uh Floyd Leonard yeah Leonard Floyd was on the injured uh injury report card or whatever it is injury report uh yesterday and I don't know if he practiced today or not I'd have to guys is Sony Michelle real he played last week he looked pretty good didn't look pretty good on my fantasy. Uh, he's going to be terrible this weekend. Do not play him in fantasy yeah. because don't, the Bucks have the best run defense in the league. And, and it don't is play not Leonard close. Fournette either. Yeah, I wouldn't no. do that against this Rams defense. They're not going to run the ball. Um, I, I do think this is a week where you're going to learn a lot about Matt Stafford and what the ceiling of that offense is, because this is this is like when the Cardinals go up against a stud pitcher like a Brandon Woodruff. And we need to learn, OK, what are they going to look like against the best of the best pitching? Yep. Can they still hit quality pitching? The answer for the Cardinals was yes. Can the Rams look offensively the way they did in week one against really good defenses? We're going to find that out this week. I'm with you. That is the best game of the weekend. If I were to add in a couple others, the Chargers at the Chiefs is super intriguing. Justin Herbert's been awesome once again so far this year. He's looking like he's taking that next step. That offense is perfect for him. Mike Williams looks amazing, and I would start him in your fantasy leagues this weekend. Uh, the Chiefs aren't going to be able to find a way to stop him. That's going to be a super high-scoring game, a lot of fun to watch. Green Bay at San Francisco is the other one. Yeah, I'm going to be rooting for uh, San Francisco on that one. I think that's another one of you those games. Packers. Oh, yeah, let's go 49ers. <laughs> if you don't love the Rams or the Bucks, I think the Packers and the 49ers are the next best teams as contenders in the NFC. Yeah. I'm going to be interested to see if the Packers, what we saw last week or week one, which one's closer to the reality for the Packers this year. We'll find out in this game. Against Who do the, the Cardinals play? The four, uh, they have a the blowout game. That, yeah, the Jags. That, that, that stinks because you get all these NFC West teams that are actually going up against competition mm-hmm. and you don't get to see it with the Cardinals because like, I'm really intrigued to see like what the NFC West looks like against actual competition. Yeah, that, it's unfortunate, but that's what you've got there. Uh, the next one that I've got for you, individual matchup. So individual player versus a, a unit or another player. What's the individual matchup that you're most intrigued by going into this weekend? Honestly, I'm going to stick in this Rams and, and Buccaneers game. I'm interested to see what Gronk does again against this defense for the Rams because I think a lot of us are all sitting here saying like boy Gronk looks like Gronk when he was with the Patriots and winning Super Bowls he's got four touchdowns in two games but how does he look and I guess a lot of this plays into Leonard Floyd if he's playing this week but how does he look against that Rams defense because Jalen Ramsey's been playing a lot in the slot Mm -hmm. and if that's the way you're going they have a lot of weapons that they have to go up against can the Rams defend enough to find a way to shut down Gronkowski I think mine's going to be what Jimmy G looks like against the Green Bay Packers I, because I can't really get a read on Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think the Packers are that great, but I, I think this could be that game that the 49ers can make the statement saying, yeah, we're back. We're going to beat the Green Bay Packers on prime time. But I could also see this being the game where Jimmy Garoppolo just has one of those like three interception games and then we're talking about the Green Bay Packers and not the 49ers. Yeah, and the Packers defense is not particularly good against the run and the 49ers are running out of running backs now. They just don't have a whole lot of guys that are available. Great play on words. Uh, The one that I'm going to be watching for this weekend is Derek Carr. 
Derek yeah. Carr going up against that Dolphins secondary. The Dolphins offense is not particularly good. Sounds like Tua is not going to play this week. Their offense is going to have a tough time scoring. But Derek Carr, through the first two weeks of the season, leads all of football in passing yards. That's a change from what we've seen from him in the past. If the Raiders are real, if they're legit, kind of like what I mentioned about the good on good Rams offense going up against the Bucks defense. I want to see what Derek Carr looks like against a quality secondary and the Dolphins got a lot of issues on their team. Their secondary is very good. That's one, one thing that I'm going to be watching for. All right. What's your upset pick? Let them hang a little bit. What's Whoa. your upset pick for the weekend? Let what hang? The Munions. Oh, I always let them hang. Go ahead, Tanner. Give us your upset pick. All right. You're going to pick now, the Lions over the Packers again? Who are the Lions playing? That's his upset pick. Lions are playing. Where did I just see him? I just saw him. Oh, they're hosting the Ravens. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah, go with no, that one. Pick, the, pick the Lions, T-Bone. Okay, so do they have? Do I have to pick them because I think they're going to win? Like I'm 100% sold on them? Or how's this upset, it's an upset pick, pick man. man? Yeah, straight up. You're not picking against the spread here the All way right, we do fine. in our pick them. Damn. Screw it. Give me Jacksonville over the Cardinals. And here's why, ladies no, and gentlemen. You, know, you, you don't, don't believe Arizona, that. Arizona, no, listen, that. listen, you listen. You don't believe this. This, is a, this is a legitimate thing. Picks, Would you? The I'm going to turn off your mic again. <laughs> what the legitimate? Well, this is a legitimate thing in the NFL. Is Teams that play on the West Coast always struggle going out east. Arizona has to fly Enough out east. Enough with this narrative. They're going to play Jacksonville. Jacksonville's going to win. Arizona's going to overlook them because who's Arizona got next week? The mighty, powerful L.A. Rams. Give me the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, let that Goldilocks hair flow because he's going to have win number one. Tanner, that hasn't been a thing in years. That's been a thing. What, what have you been watching? From 2013 to 2019, teams traveling from the west to the east well, were 53 wait, 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 and 49 wait, wait, you... straight up. No. He that just gave you data. Thing. From 2003 Wait, to 2012, they won 32% wait, of the time. You were time. when Jacksonville wins this weekend. I expect that. Do you understand what BK said earlier? Urban Meyer says every team this they play is the Alabama. in the pick Yeah, but he's not picking against the spread. You're just going with upsets. This is why you stink at the one on pick challenge. This would be an upset. There. There's not a lot of good upset picks. <laughs> no, he, he All right, well, despite there. what T-Bone picked, because nobody believes in that one, I'm going to go with the Bears beating the Browns. Whoa. I, I'm, I know. I know. You wanted upset. I'm no, letting them hang. Crazy. Did you not tell me to let them hang? I did. Let oh, them I let him, hang. I let them hang. And no, I you let them drop. Chicago with Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is basically going to take what Matt Nagy said of, oh, Andy Dalton's still our number one quarterback, and he's going to shove it up Matt Nagy. He's going to go out there and he's going to show, like, no, I'm your number one quarterback. I like this Chicago defense. I think you got to get the best out of Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack to win this one. But, guys, Cleveland took a step back last week, in my opinion, because I just I wasn't sold on Baker. He struggled there. And on top of it, they have Odell Beckham Jr. back in. We all know what OBJ brings to a team. Controversy. So I'm going to say Chicago is an upset. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Pittsburgh and taking down the mighty Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers offense is awful. 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 They have a terrible offensive line. Their quarterback can't throw the football. He apparently doesn't know how, but he hurt oh. his peck over the last week he legitimately has no idea how it took place but he's just he's at the age where he just hurts himself somehow I hate it when that happens amen the Bengals have had a really weird start to the season last week that loss against the bears was not something i anticipated they haven't really allowed joe burrow to go out there and just be himself so far this year he has 57 attempts on the season last year they were one of the most pass happy teams in the league I think they're going to start throwing a little more. You can't run into the teeth of that Steelers defense. 
I'm going to take the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow has a nice week for himself going into Pittsburgh on the road and they get a big victory. Is TJ Watt playing? Uh, I don't know, actually. I have not I seen the that. latest on his injury. See, the problem with Cincinnati is like they, I feel like they're forcing it to Joe Mixon. He was a limited participant in practice. So he'll probably pay yeah. it in. I mean, you got to get Joe Mixon involved because he's your best, like he's your most talented athlete on the offensive side. So, and Jamar Chase has just kind of been up and down. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be an interesting one, but man, Joe Burrows, he are, he struggled last week. Yeah, he did. All right. Last one for you guys. If you had to pick one player that you're watching this week, because you just want to see how they perform, or you think they're going to have a big week in fantasy, a player that is worth monitoring going into this weekend is who, who's the guy that you got your eyes on on Sunday. Mine's Jameis Winston because I think he's playing for his job this week. It's a really good one. Because I, though he had five touchdown passes, you brought this up after week one. He only threw for 150 yards. He barely, I don't even think he got to 150 yards last week. So he's a guy to have my eye on because if he plays bad again, I, I think it's time to just cut the cord and move on to Taysom Hill already. Mine's going to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen's kind of been disappointing these first couple of weeks. I mean, he at least threw some touchdowns this past one, but... I mean, he and Stephon Diggs have not connected. That arm does not look like it did last year. And I mean, a lot of people were picking him as MVP. So I think I'm watching Josh Allen against this uh, this Washington team. I'm thinking I'm expecting some type of breakout from him. I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. Uh, the Tennessee Titans had a huge win last week against the Seattle Seahawks. And if they're if they're legit, they're going to win this game against the Colts. It sounds like Carson Wentz might be able to play in this one. He practiced earlier today. Here's the Titans' upcoming schedule. They go to the Jets next week and then on the road against the Jags the following week. It's been a weird start to the year. They got blown out in week one against the Cardinals. But with a win against Seattle, you could easily be 4-1 and one to start the season, and people are jumping back on board with this Titans team. I think that right now they're still the favorites to win the AFC South, even with the terrible game against the Cardinals. Derrick Henry is going to have to be the reason why, though, and he is the best player on that team. He looked like an absolute man last week among boys against the Seahawks. I'm going to go Derrick Henry as my player to watch. Can I give you another one, too? Absolutely. Jonathan Taylor from the Colts. That's a good one. Nobody. I mean, I I think a lot of people were picking him as a top five running back this year. And I mean, he has been very silent for that offense. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll cross things over with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go to close out the week next on 101 ESPN. This is BK and Ferrario. Time now for One's Gotta Go. We offer up the talking points, and you get to pick which one's gotta go on 101 ESPN. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals are in a scoreless tie at the end of one with the Chicago Cubs in the first game of their doubleheader against the Cubs. Did you have to say tie? That's her. What do you want? The Cardinals and the Cubs are scoreless no, up in you know Chicago. What? That was a jerk move on my part because I shouldn't have even said that. No, that's fair. No, that was fair a jerk critique. move. No, jerk move on my part. Make fair sure to improve critique. on that moving forward. No, I no, I don't appreciate that because Six, five, you're being seven, sarcastic. Eight, oh, is the Air Comfort Service text line for one's got to go. You give us four options. We will tell you which one's got to go. Let's start out with this one. One got to go egg edition. Oh, you hate eggs. I love eggs. Oh, no, you hate hard boiled eggs. Scrambled omelets. Egg Benedict or over easy? Dude, I love me some eggs Benedict. I that's had the some... one that's got to go. Get it all the way up out of here. Benedict? I don't need it. I don't. 
What is that one? I don't remember. I don't need the hollandaise sauce oh, on, are on you my not, eggs. Are you not bougie? Nope, I'm out. Wow. So what's eggs Benedict is disgusting. Dude, you're crazy. I'll get rid of that one. Hollandaise sauce is awful. You're insane. Anybody who disagrees with me. You're insane. I had them on vacation and I felt so bougie afterwards. So those have to stay. Honestly, I think what would have to go is the over easy. Not a fan. Love me some scrambled eggs. Love me some omelets with that Cholula sauce that we got. Yeah, it's delicious. But yeah, you're insane. You just don't like high life if you don't like hollandaise sauce and eggs Benedict. Get rid of Benedict. I like over easy. I like scrambled and I, what was the other one? Uh, omelets. Oh, oh, omelets are fantastic. Yeah. That's the best of the you, group. What, what do you put in the omelets? Well, ham, Onions, bacon, peppers. Yeah. Peppers, all the above. Mushrooms. You go mushrooms. Oh, Absolutely. A oh, little gross. bit of spinach in there. Oh. It's delicious. Oh. Six, five, seven, eight. Oh, is the air comfort service tax line for one's got to go. One got to go. One of these teams to win the world series, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Rays or the Dodgers, which one's got to go cards, Brewers, Rays or the Dodgers. I'm going to get rid of the Brewers. I, after watching that series, man, I just, I don't know if I believe in that offense. Like their pitching is unbelievable, but I just don't know if I believe in that offense right now. I mean, when you get past Willie Adamas and Christian Yelich, which has really struggled this year, I mean, you got a guys that you're you're hoping come away. Like every player on the roster feels like you're hoping for devil magic like you are with the Cardinals. So I'll say the Brewers. I think I'm going to go Brewers too. I still have some faith in the offense. The thing is, is I think they're really the only team in the National League that can let their foot up because they've got such a lead in the NL Central. They're more than likely going to win it. So they've let their foot up already. I think you could tell that in that Cardinals series. It's going to be hard to reaccelerate and get back going when you take on the Braves or the Phillies, whoever it is that's had to play playoff baseball for the last month. That's why I'm out on the Brewers. Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. I actually like the Cardinals more than the Brewers right now. And I can't believe that we're saying that. Imagine if we had told ourselves three months ago, hey, it's going to be late September and you're going to think that the Cardinals are better than the Brewers. I feel that way right now. Yeah. I know that the Brewers have a better top three in their rotation, but literally every other aspect of their team, I'll take the Cardinals over there. The Brewers offense now is what we thought the Cardinals offense was three months ago. That's fair. Yeah. And the the Cardinals are the rock and redbirds now. This is a great song. Again, he's going like back to the 60s. He rocks in the treetop. Oh, you guys done? Yeah, okay, we can continue. Man, that, that I've been trying to work that song in for the last like three days. That was actually way too much of like like you 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 tried to like push that in. Yeah. It didn't play there, but man, it was a magical drop. One's gotta go. Best food city edition. Chicago, New York, San Fran, or Nashville. Chicago, New York, San Francisco, or Nashville. What's, Best food city. What's San Fran known yeah, that's for? That's what I was gonna ask. Their their wharf, the seafood on the wharf. So seafood. Okay. But I mean they've got everything, right? They've got they've got Chinatown, they've got yeah, incredible but like, food. like Nashville, you're talking barbecue and No, Nashville you're talking hot chicken. Yeah. Memphis good. barbecue. I'm talking barbecue in Nashville. Yeah, Pick a barbecue what barbecue spot do you have yeah. in Nashville? Look, just because you f- are from Kansas City doesn't mean you're the master of barbecue. <laughs> no, I, There's I, barbecue spots in I'm Nashville. I'm sure they have a barbecue spot, but they are absolutely not known for their barbecue. Yeah, Nashville chicken or Nashville hot, chicken. hot chicken's worth Martin's at. barbecue joint, Edley's barbecue, Peg Leg Porker. That, that might not be a barbecue joint. That might be a strip club. Um, when you look up Nashville, the thirst, you know how like Google finishes your sentence for you? Nashville, hot sauce, hot chicken, hot deviled eggs, hot chicken recipe. <laughs> it's definitely the hot chicken. 
I don't want to give you a damn answer now because you've upset me. So, Tanner, go ahead. All right, I'll get rid of the San Francisco one. I'm not big on seafood. Really? I mean, I kind of like crab, but... If you had fresh seafood? Yeah, Yeah, I'd rather have, like, New York-style pizza or... New York-style known for pizza! Or dogs. Or New York dog. Mm. No, Chicago hot dog. Oh, sorry. Either way, I got excited. I think I'll get rid of Nashville. Not, not a fan of the hot chicken. Not a fan of the hot chicken. <laughs> Apparently, there's not barbecue there. I actually tend to agree with you. I'm probably going to go the hot chicken. I would rather have all of the other signature items yeah. from San Fran, New York, or Chicago than I would Nashville. Now, I like hot chicken. It's fine. It's solid. Uh, but I'll take the other what three options ahead of that. called in Nashville? There's one that is just known for their hot chicken. Hattie, Hattie B's, right? Barbecue yeah, porkers. I, I think that's what it is. It's, no. Egg leg porker. <laughs> no, it's not it. It's they, got, they got dollar nights on the weekends. Air comfort oh, service they? text line for one's got to go. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go. Driving, flying, biking, or running? Oh, easy. This is easy. Running has to go. Running is like the most pointless thing in my opinion, there is out there. Like, why? Yeah, being in shape sucks. Yeah, it's like, get something that has wheels and you can get there. I just, I I get bored running. Stupid. Guys, I've thought about getting a Peloton. Is that a bad idea? I didn't know. I didn't know Mr. Moneybags over here had money to get a Peloton. It's 0% for 18 months. And I've given serious consideration to it. I got to be honest with you. Wish I made the money like have, ha, have you heard any good or bad things about it? Yeah, my sister has a Peloton bike. Loves what it. She th- what she think? Joe Vitale has a Peloton bike. Well, that makes sense. Loves it. I'm, I'm giving consideration to it. I don't see you the point of it. You guys know how much I hate the winter and the, the cold weather out there? Just get a normal bike, take the wheels off, put it up on some cinder blocks, and boom, Peloton bike. Okay. And just put it in front of a window. Make it look like you're riding around. We're just toughing up. I'm getting rid outside. of it. It's funny because I. <laughs> so nice. I said I'm thinking about getting a Peloton, and I'm also getting rid of biking out of all of these. <laughs> running in the cold, though, would be the worst of the four. Running in the cold is brutal. You know what's Absolutely better than terrible. running in the cold? Don't Not run. running. That's fair. One's got to go superhero edition. Oh, yeah. Give it to me. Batman, Superman, Hulk, or Iron Man? <laughs> this is simple, but I'll let you go first, T-Bone. No, it's got to be Superman. I agree. No, it's Batman. He's so cool. What does Batman do? So here's the thing. He's got cool gadgets. I actually agree with you. Batman's not a real superhero. Yeah. Batman's just a rich dude with cool technology. Yeah. Yeah, Learned in the art of whatever it's called. It's a rich dude with a god complex. It's martial. Yeah, it's martial (laughs) arts. And a guy who has to talk like this all the time. All those other ones are superheroes. Hiding his identity. (laughs) Have you? You can't hide his identity. Half his face is and showing. Also, everybody knows who he is now. Yeah. So it's you're like, not even the, he, the hidden look, identity didn't last very long. People know who Superman is because he literally just takes off if glasses somebody, and if, there he is. If somebody tries to come like take me over the world, Oktoberfest today, putting on a pair of fake glasses, I would be like, oh, who's that? If guy? somebody tries to come take over the world, the last person I'm calling is Batman. No, he can't do anything. I'll call him. Superman. The Hulk, Iron Man, okay. Superman can do it all. If that's what we're going by, that's not a bit of a fair conversation because... Batman can't even fly, dude. He just soars. Whatever. It's a different thing, He's dude. got cool gadgets. Yeah. Superman's just, you but know, not he's a better than Superman. He can Super- through it. Superman's movies are the worst, clearly, well, of we're all, not all doing four of these. movies. We're doing superheroes. Yeah, but the movies are a part of the story. And I'm, I'm out on Superman movies. They're not interesting. Hey, Someone said can- Iron Man is the same thing. No, he is not. No, Iron actually, Man can yes. fly and has lasers. No, that's fair. No, Batman is basically the equivalent of the DC he's Marvel, or of, of the DC version Iron. of Iron Man. Just actually somebody who can do something. Uh, But... If you had to pick one, Iron Man trilogy or Batman trilogy, which one would you go with? 
I'd go Batman. The are you? We're talking about the one with Christian Bale. The newest right? version, yeah. Well, that's not the newest, but yeah, the Christian Bale one. The Christian, newest has been at. Yeah, we're not talking. That oh, doesn't. Well, that doesn't. The count. one that's out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd go Christian Bale on that Batman series. Those three movies were all phenomenal. Iron Man's really. Iron good, Man's man. were really good too. Iron but Man Two I, though is not that great. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I, I thought think, Iron Man Three took a little. bit I think of I'd it. have to go Batman though because like oh. nothing will beat the performance from Heath Ledger in, in the second one. All right, last one here. One got to go. Appetizer edition. Chicken wings. Onion rings, calamari, or toasted ravs. Which one's got to go? Chicken wings, onion rings, calamari, or toasted ravs. I'm going to – can I make a prediction here? I think I know exactly what Tanner's yeah, going. Yeah, he's already calamari. 100%. He doesn't know no what it is. What it is. <laughs> you uncultured swine. Get out <laughs> you of here. uncultured swine. So what was the – it was toasted raviolis with the force one. Uh, I think I'll go onion rings here. I do like some fried calamari. T-ravs are never going anywhere, nor are chicken wings. Onion rings have the least amount to them. There's no real oomph to an onion ring. You could have a good onion ring, but, you know, I mean. Well, I'll tell you what. The ceiling for chicken wings, calamari, and toasted rabs is so much higher than any onion ring. The spot for onion rings, though, Biggie's. Where's that at? It's on the hill by Pietro's. Ooh. Ooh. The phenomenal onion rings. What's your favorite toasted ravs in St. Louis? Uh, Farachi's in Manchester. Okay. Yeah. A little tiny Italian place. I've Ooh. actually been there. Ooh. Good spot. Sicilian pizza. What's up? With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm you Brandon Kylie. swine. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll cross things over with the voice of the blues. Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check out the podcast page. It's all available on 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN mobile app. If you miss Sarah Lang, she was fantastic talking about the improbability of what the Cardinals have accomplished over the last couple of weeks. It's a good interview that'll be available on the podcast page here in just a little bit. Right now, we are very happy to be joined in studio as the fast lane is out and Wrigleyville this weekend celebrating a fun weekend up in Chicago. We've got the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, for the crossover today. Kerbs, what's going on, man? Fellas, uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm able to come in the studio. I don't see anybody with their shirt off having to wax each other. There's no serenading going on. I mean, I was a little worried what I might encounter when I walked in live today. But I'm I'm glad it's kind of normal and everybody's got their clothes on, especially Tanner. Well, yeah, especially When you're cut like a bag of milk, you got to keep the shirt on, right? Well, Don't be jealous of my six-pack curbs. (laughs) Curbs, when you get off at six today with the fast lane, head on up to Oktoberfest and check out BK and his leader hose. Are you calling that a six-pack? Like what? What version Mine's of a six yours, pack I are think. you? No, I have a, no, no. Yeah, but I'm not oh, in denial. I, call, I I have a keg. Hey, I never said. I never. You're the one who brought up a six pack. Tanner's working on a six pack out on October. I did October not tell you a six pack. I said you were cut like a bag of milk. That's the same. T-bone, T-bone <laughs> six pack is a six pack of beer. That's right. That's right. Curbs, what do you have coming up today on the fast lane? I mean, okay, I'm looking forward to it. I would imagine four hours of straight blues hockey. Well, we are. I mean, with the Cardinals having a doubleheader today, and it's up at Wrigley, and the wind's blowing out, that could be a fun game to end up keeping us. So we'll keep an eye on what's going on with the Cardinals, obviously, and and slide some of that in there. But with them playing, it's the old. Old school radio thing of counter programming, right? So, uh, John Paul Morosi is going to be joining us right at two fifteen. Oh, fantastic! But maybe, honestly, goodness, maybe one of my 
favorite people to talk sports with, but also one of my favorite social media followers because he's all over the U.S. men's national team. He's all over hockey. He's all over like it's it, it's fascinating for him. Uh, and then and then we're going to go around the division. Uh, the Central Division with most of the teams. So Pete Weber's going to join us at 2.30 from the Preds. Darren Pang's going to join us at 3.30. Jeremy Rutherford's going to sit in from 4 to 6 this afternoon. Josh Bogorad of the Dallas Stars, their play-by-play man's going to join us at 4 o'clock. Michael Russo, the beat writer of the Minnesota Wild at 4.15. Tyson Nash, we're bringing oh, Nasher back into the mix right at 5 o'clock as people are getting into their cars. And then John Wideman of the Blackhawks at 5.30. So we'll mix in some stuff from Doug Armstrong, Vladimir Terry. Senko, what to make of some of the lines, some of the divisional changes, or well, readjustments back to the norm, all sorts of stuff like that. It's today. amazing with individual players, and this is just like ingrained in my head because, like, one player from Blues history, you can remember something that they did. Tyson Nash, every time I hear his name, I always think of the goal on the, against the Vancouver Canucks where he was behind the net, stole the puck, and then just did a quick wraparound. That was a playoff game, wasn't it? Tyson? Yeah. No, are you thinking, you're not thinking Steiner, right? No, Steiner's one of the Kings. Tyson yeah. Nash, I swear he did this. Okay, it was- he, okay, he might have. The, the, for, me, the one, the, for me, the one thing with Tyson, uh, well, there's one story I can't share on the air, but, <laughs> but I, I will tell you guys the moment uh, the mics are off. But then uh, the, the, other, the other one was, you know, he was the one, he got high-sticked in the mouth by, against the Detroit Red Wings by Brendan Shanahan. All right, and now now Ken Wilson was doing the play by play, so I was shifted over to the intermissions and post game, and when we're getting beat by the Detroit Red Wings, so I'm going down and I'm going to interview Brett Hall after the game for our post game show. Tyson gets high sticked in the mouth by Brendan Shanahan, blood it all needed a root canal, you name it, but he comes back, right? A la Shanahan against Kachuk, right? He <laughs> comes back onto the ice. I can't remember if he scored a goal or not, but he started some junk. And line brawls happened. Everything was going nuts. Joe Kersher was on the bench as a coach with the Red Wings. He chucked the chair nice. from the bench onto the ice. The chaser immediately grabbed and then sold in a charity auction. Good for him. Right? Okay. <laughs> and then, but down there, they used to have this metal gate that was in between in the hallway. So you couldn't get through. They shut that gate, and Shanahan comes off the ice. Quenville's walking down the other way, you know, from our bench, and Shanahan's rattling the gate like a caged animal. You know, Joel, you blankety blank, you blank. Well, Detroit didn't talk to any media, but Holly, because of Chaser's relationship with him, still did our post-game interview with me, and it was the only sound from the game. And that all started because Nasher got high-sticked, came back out on the ice, and then just stirred it up. That's incredible. Yeah, I just found it. So it was Blues-Canucks Game 1, 2003 Western Conference quarterfinal. So I, I believe yeah, the puck's stolen, and then he gets it for a one-timer. He was the one that starts the forecheck. For some reason, that game always sticks out in my head when I hear the name Tyson Nash. I called that game and forgot about that goal. You called you call- <laughs> Got a lot of big moments. I can understand you forgetting that one. But I'll, I'll, I'll apologize to Tyson at five. <laughs> We're looking forward to the fast lane today with Chris Kerber pinch hitting for the guys coming up from two to six. An update for you on the Cardinals game. It is a scoreless game so far. Scoreless tie, Alex. I'm no, just going to go ahead and add that in there. My part, BK, Three, I We're into the top of the third now, and Nolan Arenado just made what was. Uh, one of the best plays I've seen him make so far in a Cardinals uniform. It was unbelievable. He found a way. Oh, we're doing was, this with Arnado plays now too. It was the tra- What do you mean? The greatest play I've ever seen. Just like, like Cardinals. I said it was the one of the biggest best Cardinal game of the year. On, it was one of the best plays I've seen him make in a Cardinals uniform, and I stand by that. It was amazing. Well, it was last his. Week's was better. It was his patented charge on the grounder to third, and on like 
on one foot throwing over to first throughout Trace Thompson on that what was better than him diving over the tarp. Said one of the best. Curves, I'm looking forward much. to the fast lane. Can't wait to get out of here. Good defense. Can't wait to get out of here. We'll see you guys coming up from four to six out at St. Charles Oktoberfest, 35th annual. Say hello to Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson, and myself. We'll see you guys there. Grab a couple of beers with us. The fast lane's coming up next from two to six with the voice of the blues, Chris Carver. Everybody hands go up. And they stay there. Oh, yeah. This is a good song. Down, up, down.